0: This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Rich Lepore, and I do have to do a little preface before this episode and let you know that the sound quality of our best TV of 2017 episode is, well, not the best. So uh, you will have to bear with us a little bit. There's a lot of echo in both myself and Kevin's audio. Um, Jordan sounds great, but unfortunately the two of us are really echoey. We're still sort of hashing out all the details of how it's going to work, To have all three of us record, and are we going to have Kevin and I co-locate while we record Jordan remotely, etc. So we think we came up with a better solution for the film episode. You'll be the judge in about a week. But in the meantime, I proudly, or semi-proudly, or... No, I'm totally proud of the episode. The episode's fantastic. You just have to get through some pretty bad sound quality. So you can hear everything. It's totally enjoyable, I hope. But it's not ideal. Uh, Without any further ado, here is the best of 2017... Uh, from the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. This is it, the big best of 27 in TV episode. I'm Rich Lepore, and I am here with. Cameron Shafer. Jordan Alseca. And we are recording, uh, Kevin and I are live from Raleigh, North Carolina. Or are we technically in Cary? Is this right? This is Cary. Okay, <laughs> Cary. Right near right 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 Raleigh. Right next to Raleigh. All right the triangles um, right around each other. And Jordan, you are coming to us live from the most exciting city in the world, the city that never sleeps, Manhattan, Kansas, right?
1: Yeah. Not, not the most exciting place.
0: Oh, anyway. So we have uh, we have a uh, big episode to talk about TV today. Um, and we're going to talk about all of the categories we usually do. Um, so we're going to talk about... Why don't you uh, run it down for us, Jordan, the, uh, the categories we talk about this year.
1: Uh, well, we're going to take a look at, as usual, the top three that we're doing, as well as our uh, Wish I'd Seen show, uh, something we didn't get to this year. Our surprising show, disappointing show, favorite actor, favorite actress, favorite character, favorite episode, uh, and then a category of some type that we all each made up because we always have a lot of fun doing that, um, as well as some honorable mentions thrown in there as well.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, on on that note, I guess a good thing to do to start off with is talk about just a little bit about what kind of year this was in TV. And I think there's no way to really talk about TV in the modern era and not think about the fact that there's, what, I think it's 500 scripted shows that are on now? And that... number just goes up every year. It has to reach a plateau at some point. It can't just keep growing. But it just seems like there's so much out there. My wish I'd seen it list just gets longer and longer. How about you guys?
2: Oh, I agree. And uh, Especially this year, and I know we talk about it a lot, but how many original streaming shows there are uh, between Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. The number is just insane of how many Netflix originals are being put out every year. Uh, But yes, absolutely. I mean, You know, I see what I can, but I also watch, you know, older
0: content, and so it's just impossible to keep up with everything. Do you guys think the content has plateaued? Do you think it's staying top quality? Do you think it's getting better? Is there a point where it just can't get any better? What what do you guys think? What do you think about that, Jordan?
1: Uh, I feel like I (laughs) unintentionally talked this subject to death a few weeks ago uh, when I was up at MagFest on the ride back for whatever reason that was we 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 talked about the quote-unquote golden age of tv for about two hours i wish i hadn't missed that well give us the uh the the cliff notes uh well you know i don't know that that i i personally think tv is better now than it's ever been uh our former co-host tim was you know arguing that it is you know percentage wise probably not and if you look at you know trends and what people like it's is it is it that it's better now or that it's more of what people like now i think quality is overall higher when you add in resources when you add in the number of avenues that can tell stories um and yeah there's a lot more craft than there used to be uh just because there's more space and more real estate um but i think if you're going on the whole uh and you look at stuff like Uh, quality of writing voices that are getting heard the the I, i think undeniable increase in quality of children's programming yeah i think tv is is doing really well even if it's not its best ever era
0: yeah i i definitely think it is its best ever era i think over the last sort of five to seven years we've seen shows tv shows that are better than any tv shows that ever existed before that um, I think that started, and I, we talk about this every year, but that sort of started with, with HBO and, and some of the shows that they were making early on in their original series era. I'd say post-Dream On, um, not, not to, to throw Dream On under the bus or anything. Um, but, you know, it's it's what, what you mentioned and, you know, about children's programming. I, I don't watch a ton of it, but I know that the quality, I was actually listening to some best of TV episodes other people have done um, on the way over here and previously in preparation to see what other people's thoughts are. And, you know, shows like Gravity Falls and I, I don't even I don't even know if that... Did Gravity Falls even air this year? You know what uh,
1: no, it wrapped up in 2016. Okay, got it. Well, this guy was
0: talking about it for some reason. I guess it was what he watched in the previous years. But he was just talking about how great that show is and, and there's a lot of young adult content. Young adult content is really boomed with things like 13 Reasons Why and Riverdale and, and, and stuff like that. Just much higher quality than I feel like it ever was. There are Always were standouts, but the quality of writing over over you know multiplied by a large number of shows that are exhibiting said quality is is really there. So I don't know, Kevin, what do you think as far as this era?
2: Yeah, I mean definitely there's just more original content out there, a very diverse range. Um, you know, I think if you look at, you know, let's say box office patterns with movies, there generally is, you know, a kind of genre that dominates a lot, and so it can be harder to find, you know, your niche there. You know, um, With TV, there is so much out there that it's really hard not to find a show that is going to appeal to you, and that um, is going to be the kind of genre you like, um, the kind of content and characters, and um, it's just exciting to see all the voices being heard, and new creators coming about, and um, you know whether it's a miniseries, an ongoing, uh, you know, a streaming original. And, you know, there is still some great network shows out there as well. Uh, it is definitely one of the most. You know, like I, um, at times it can be overwhelming, but it's good to see how much content there is out there.
0: Awesome. Well, on that note, let's uh, dive right into it. And uh, Jordan, why don't you start us off? And what is our first category?
1: Uh, first up, we're going to look at. All the shows we haven't seen. The shows that we wish we had had a chance to see before we did this episode because, again, there's a lot of TV. If you look at best of lists, there's dozens of shows that come into contention. Um, and, you know, you know, we, we we would like to think, you know, we only watch the highest quality. But sometimes you want to watch something that's a little more uh, all-around entertaining or, or, you know, junky. So, you know, you can't watch all of the best all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have lives. Um. For me, the show I most wish I'd seen because uh, it was one that I had not a lot of interest in when it first came out, and I don't think it got the best reviews, but it's only grown in esteem over the years, and I think it was more or less called a a masterpiece season for its final season. Uh, That's Halt and Catch Fire. Mm. I have seen this show get more and more buzz as it's gone on and seen how much praise, uh, particularly the last two seasons... Uh, got. This year it had its final season. It was on a n- number of best of lists I saw and uh, I finally started it. So I've I started watching Cult and Catch Fire and you know I've, I've heard the first season's not great but I liked the pilot a lot even if I couldn't stand some of the characters. Uh, what they were talking about was interesting. Um, and you know there's short seasons they're, there's only 40 episodes total so it is one I would like to get around to. I'd like to see why people love that last season so much but yeah, yeah I just i I'm so far behind on it, I I couldn't possibly have watched it, uh... This year. Well, you know, Without. the talk is that that show just got better and better and
0: that it found its voice. I watched, or I should almost say I suffered through the first three or four episodes of that show. I really tried to get into it. And I ran into the wall of why does this show exist, a fictionalized version of this random little era. It just felt very why. Sometimes when you watch a drama like um, uh, the, Mister, what was that, The Curious yeah. Case of Benjamin Button? Yeah. It's like, why don't you invent a magical disease that doesn't doesn't exist so i can be depressed when there's plenty of real diseases that exist so i, I don't know this I, it's hard to draw that line because you could say that about a lot of things but i just feel like with this show i just got that feeling all the time i don't know
1: i think it's an interesting era in recent history that you know a lot of people don't understand how computers work or where they came from and so i'm fascinated to see that and i i don't think I I'm making it into a prestige drama works I, it, it could have been a documentary about IBM or Tandy or whatever but you know this is just a different approach to that story my biggest problem is that lee pace's character is insufferably arrogant and <laughs> and i want to just, well, i, I hate that's the, the point right is yes like he's gonna, gonna get, get slapped, slapped back and like grow that's definitely know. the point but i'm i'm already glad because i know the focus shifts there's you know four lead characters i think both of the guys kind of suck i'm glad to know that it shifts focus to the female characters who i i like at least and, and have understandable points of views in the pilot. Maybe that'll change as time goes on. I've only seen the first episode, but I enjoyed it. Nice.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Did Did you have any any other quick
1: ones ones you want to mention? Uh, I wish I'd gotten a chance to um, finish Handmaid's Tale. It was one I started watching with my fiance, and we just – she's super busy, so it it was any show like that, really, where we're watching it together tends to not get as uh, finished as I would like. Uh, Mindhunter as well, I would have liked to have had a chance to watch that, but I just didn't.
0: Nice. Okay. Um, and that brings us to you, Kevin. What are are your picks?
2: Um, Mindhunter is also on mine, I just
0: haven't gotten around to it yet. I've heard amazing
2: things from you, from my caregiver, um, other friends, I do intend to get around to it. Um, one, I have started actually this week because I didn't know it was on Netflix until recently, but... Um, and I knew it was a show I'd love, but I haven't got to season two yet. That's after evil dead, um, which is just fantastic all around. Um, and I know I'm gonna love it more, and, but I just started it literally the other day. Um, it, but it's an easy binge watch. I mean, it's only the 30 minute episodes, um, 10 episodes per season. But as a huge fan of the original trilogy, it's perfectly in sync with that. It's got a ton of great one-liners, and the action and everything is delightfully ridiculous. So. Definitely want to continue that. Let's see, American Vandal also haven't gotten to yet. Um, So there's always a lot, Um, and then just shows I'm behind on. But
0: yeah, there's plenty. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So for me, it is number one with a bullet. Is Top of the Lake, China Girl. That is Top of the Lake is maybe one of the top five shows I've ever seen. I love that show that much. It's Jane Campion, um, famously, and uh, this is the other Elizabeth Moss. Um, premiered Show uh-huh. that's really, really excellent, and it just has a different voice than any other crime drama or really show on television. So I watched the first episode, and I loved it. But it's so intense, uh-huh. it's so brutal, you know. So I mean, the the, the topics that are being you know uh, discussed and sexual assault, and it's just it's it's very important that these things are discussed, but it's very hard to watch. That's how I watch with animated I mean, It's like an incredible amount. Well
2: just it's you gotta be right. You, you you
0: really do. There's yeah, I won't go into the funny Amy Schumer sketch there is about that, but there's there a funny time when she's like sitting with her boyfriend and they like go through everything and they're like, I really want to watch that, but not right now. How about yeah. it later? So, it's just uh there are shows that are like that. Um The Expanse, I wanna get back to that. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Um, so I'd say those are those are two of the biggest ones. There, there was one other Star Trek: Discovery, also. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I definitely
1: yeah. uh, want to see that. Um, that. That would be those would be mine. Sure. Awesome. What's next? All right. Next up, we've got uh, a surprise—a show we might have had very little expectations for, or that you know we were maybe continuing out of obligations that got better and took us by surprise for that reason. Uh, but this is our most surprising show of the year, and Kevin, it's your turn to start this one off.
2: Okay. My most surprising, um, just, I put this as surprising just because I really didn't know what to expect going in, um, and, you know, there was very little information in the trailers, um, and also, I, you know, I knew the creator, but I hadn't um, checked out his work yet, but Legion would be my favorite. Um, oh, nice. I, for. I remember you were like that. Um, yeah, because, I, oh, I really did, um, and I'll be talking about it more uh, in this episode, but, um, yeah, it was just one that, You know, they give very little information about I mean, I knew who the character was from the X-Men comics, but I hadn't really read um, into it at that point. And so uh, I was interested in learning about who this character was and how they would do it as a TV show. Um, And as we discussed in this podcast before, you know, the X-Men Cinematic Universe is so disconnected that um, they pretty much do all their shows and movies kind of whatever they want, which is good. You know, it uh, leads to a good diversity in stories. Uh, and so, but because of that, I just really did not know what to expect. It also right? gives us shows like
0: Baskets. Yes, <laughs> which I don't know how that show exists. Sure, but hey, it does. But, but then some, it also, also gives us Atlanta, right? Is, you know, sure. It. But as some as
2: a show that you know I really didn't know um, what to expect from it because um, you know I know Noah Crowley also did uh, Fargo, which I uh, also want to check out, but just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, you know, I mean he's a very renowned television creator. Uh,
0: but just haven't watched the show yet, and so okay. I didn't really. I went into Legion with really no
1: expectations, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll be talking about it more on this cool. episode. Cool. Uh, who's, who's next? Next, next up will be Rich, and I'll go ahead and apologize. This I, our order's already off because I had two lists of like where I made my list and then where I had put where, the order we were going to go in.
0: <laughs> but we'll just go. We'll... Roll with the punches on that. Right, so, cool. Rich, you'll be up next. Okay, cool. Um, so, best surprise for me may be the same for you, Jordan. I don't know, but I'll throw it out there and see. Uh, mine is American Vandal.
1: Um,
0: no? Not yours?
1: No, that is not my uh, most surprising. Okay. Cool. Honestly, I – from the – I mean, I was I – was, it was – when the trailer came out, I was I hadn't heard of it, but when I saw it, I was like 100% on board, and I was very happy that it ended up living up to my expectations.
0: The thing for me about this show is that it's so much more than what it purports to be. Um, it purports to be a really slapstick, not, maybe not slapstick, but really silly, really fart jokey, mockumentary um, that, you know... Uh, Trashes things like... Not trashes, but mocks things like cereal and things like Making a Murderer and The Keepers and shows like that. These very serious, uh, multiple people talking... You know about a crime that really occurred and this one makes it really silly with who drew the dicks i don't think dick jokes are very funny not that i'm not that i don't have a sense of humor but at the same time i just don't want to see that and then when i saw how many episodes it was i was like no fucking way but i popped it on anyway i heard a lot of good buzz from a lot of people and it turned out to be a prestige level comedy drama about a group of people and what it's like to be that age about to graduate from high school living and learning with relationships uh figuring out what your future holds people that have been pigeonholed their entire lives into one particular um you know uh, impression people think that you know this main character is a certain way and he ends up kind of living up to that Impression in a lot of ways. And, and, and it's just a really good... And, and, and above and beyond the fact that it makes those points, it's phenomenally entertaining. And the characters are so good. The performances are... Especially from the lead. He plays that character, Dylan, so well that... I really forgot that he wasn't real. And there are other characters like the uh, history teacher who talks shit about everybody and, and, and this really mean headmistress woman who uh, reminds me of my private school days and, and what it was like when people made their impressions and then you know there were favorites and there were not favorites. And I certainly wasn't a favorite in high school, so I can really feel that ire comes right back um, that I, I used to feel from certain authorities figures so it's both hilarious and entertaining and also incredibly scathing and searing and brilliant um, and i didn't expect any of that from this show it's just a show that knocks you off your feet um, so that is the definition of surprise for me
1: awesome uh, does that put it to me i guess it does uh, all right i went with a show that you know um if you look at networks or the the big four of ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, a lot of times you'll, at at pilot season, you'll see trailers for, you know, way more shows than they can air in the fall. And then they will air those shows in the spring, usually the ones that they have less confidence in or that they're just trying to burn off because they made them and, you know, they ended up being like, oh, we shouldn't have done this. And so a lot of times around this time of year, in fact, January, February, March, you'll start seeing these shows that got 10 to 13 episode orders and they're just kind of burning off. Um, I think L.A. to Vegas definitely looks like that, from Fox, for example. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen it yet, so maybe it's secretly Who's good. A because in that?
0: There's a, It's a star vehicle, right?
1: Yes, it's uh, Dylan McDermott? Oh, you, you sure it's, it's not Dermot Mulroney? It is Dylan McDermott, I'm pretty sure. Dermot Mulroney is also in it, though. So, no. they, you know, the cross of the streams. Oh, he's not a main play. character. They're I think he's that, just a true. guest star. But... Uh, but anyway, you get shows like that, right? That it's clear they're just kind of burning off, and who knows, right? Right. Uh, but this year, NBC had one that was legitimately one of the best shows I saw all year, and one of the funniest shows I saw all, all year, uh, and that is Trial and Error. I remember, I remember you talking, talking about this. this yeah, yeah. Yeah, this show is just it's, – it's very silly, but it's super funny. It's about a uh, murder that takes place in a South Carolina town that is – Uh, John Lithgow plays the accused uh, of murdering his wife and he's doing all these things to incriminate himself he gets this big city lawyer to uh, come and defend him and it ends up being like a junior associate at a firm Um, but then when more evidence comes out the people bankrolling him pull out but he decides to stay and help him anyway and the whole season it's 13 episodes it's all focused on the trial and the evidence that comes out along the way and the different twists and turns in the case Um, But what really works is it's just super funny and very memorable. Um, I still – I saw it with with, uh, Kelsey and we still chant murder board at each other sometimes because that's just one of the funny scenes from the show where there's this great censoring bit that goes on and it's one of those things. It's like the rake joke from The Simpsons where it's funny and then it's not funny and then it goes on so long it circles around to being Mm -hmm. funny again and they nail the timing. It's just super entertaining. Um, It's got a lot of great performances from – uh, a few established actors, some relative unknowns, and uh, it got renewed for a second season that's coming out this year. Yeah, it was a huge surprise, but it made us extremely happy. I'm super excited to see what the next case is. Uh, and their goal is kind of like a lot of prestige television shows to get a uh, actor to play the big you know person on trial for one season and then you know if they keep going, do a different trial each season and allow them to maybe get a bigger comedic name to play those roles, which is pretty cool. Um, it's still on Hulu, from what I can tell. So if you haven't, it's it's a fun mystery show. Um, and it, it does a good job of building out and and having reveals along the way. And it's just super funny. So for me, the biggest surprise of the year, just because I had no reason to expect anything from it. We just sort of tried it on a whim. Trial and error.
0: I remember there was, there was a time when I was asking you about this and and, and wondering if, it actually has like a uh, a reveal and like was actually something that you can wonder about and it's like oh my god what it happens and i remember you telling me that's not the point but is it still part of it or is it really irrelevant is it, no there is, is a it reveal City?
1: there is a reveal they they establish it earlier on in the run um and it it works
2: nice okay
1: all right cool i definitely I have, to have to check, check that
2: out, out then um, who's, who's next
1: uh yeah that's it for surprising but that brings us to the other end of the coin uh can't have surprising without disappointing uh Uh,
0: don't do me don't do me first even though i'm supposed to be first if you could could switch it around because i'm still finalizing my (laughs) decision here
1: as we're recording all right kevin why don't you take us away first on this one
2: so this was a pretty easy one just because but at the same time you know like um, I don't, so I don't watch as much TV as you guys. So if I hear a show is bad, I usually don't check it out. But this is one, uh, you know, uh, we all of us were gonna check out regardless because we check out anything MCU related. Um, but uh, the uh, uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of background of the character, uh, so I didn't really come in with super big expectations. But still, I wanted it to be good, and it was by far, you know, worse, uh, extreme low quality compared to the other Marvel Netflix shows so Iron Fist of course um, you know it was just one I I know Jordan you watched the whole uh, season um, I couldn't even yes. get past I think the, I, 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 I dropped off I liked the second episode it was just like uh, it, you know I enjoyed Defenders a lot more and I, you know, I never really had a problem with the casting of Iron Fist so much but it was just the writing and uh, the martial arts stuff everything that you know could have gone wrong, went wrong here, Um, and, you know, it was, I wanted at least, you know, thing. if you're going to have, like, a bad superhero show that's, you know, poorly written, at least have some good action, you know, and especially with a character like Iron Fist, who his whole premise is he's a martial arts legend and goes abroad to, you know, learn this ancient form and whatnot, and the fight scenes, at least from what I saw, were pretty sucky, so... Um, yeah, Iron Fist without a doubt my most disappointing, but again, I don't I try not to watch a ton of bad TV, you know, if I hear something is not worth checking out, then I don't really go in with it, but this is one I at least wanted to be entertaining and yeah, um, me, Katie, and Holden watched the pilot together and we were all like, wow, that was bad <laughs> so, Iron Fist, definitely
1: nice. It's not a great show at all um, Yeah, it's just <laughs> it is, uh, it's kind of there it's unfortunate that you know, they were trying to rush to meet a deadline, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's you know, it is renewed,
0: like all Netflix Marvel shows, and most Netflix shows, period. And, you know, the word is that things got a little better with Defenders for his character, and people have some hope that Season 2 of Iron Fist might be better. I don't know. You think I
1: don't be- know. It's a new showrunner, but they don't have the greatest track record either. So, okay. I think it's like the writer of Electra.
0: Oh, really? Well... Uh, It's been about 15 years since then. Yeah,
1: they've ideally gotten better, and that could be studio meddling. I'd have to look up their exact resume, but it's not a lot of great stuff on there. (laughs) Interesting. All right. uh, Rich, you ready? Yes, I'm I'm totally ready. I said to make sure
0: that it was the correct year. Um, So there are a couple that I would pick if I had had huge hopes for them. Um, One... Um, hold on one second. I'm pulling out my thing here. Um, one of them was Gypsy, uh, that, that Netflix show Gypsy. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just... It's it's really cool premise. And the premise is it's a psychologist and she gets kind of bored of her life and starts diving into the lives of the people that she... You know, her, her patients. Um, and then through one of the patients she meets this girlfriend of, of one of the patients and... Um, she's, I think, the gypsy of the title. She's kind of like a wandering soul, had kind of a tough upbringing. She's that girl that everybody's obsessed with, but nobody can pin down. And it's a really cool premise, but as the series progressed, it just didn't... It, it didn't buy in on it. It was very t- titillation for the sake of titillation. It had a really good, um, uh, you know, production staff. And, you know, the director is, is renowned, and um, it's the woman who... Um, Oh, uh, Aaron Taylor's wife, uh, John's yeah, wife, yeah, Sam,
1: Th- uh, Sam Taylor Johnson Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was her show, right. so it, it had a really good pedigree, um, but unfortunately, it just didn't live up. And it is one of the few Netflix shows that got canceled. But for me, the biggest disappointment is one that I actually sat all the way through, and that is a show called Liar. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I do not even heard of it. Yeah. No. yeah, so this show is, you'll, you'll like this, Jordan, it's Awan Graffud is that how you say it? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Fantastic. Yeah, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Mr.
1: Forever. Right,
0: and Joanna Froggett uh, from, um, what's that show, The One in the House? I can't <laughs> believe it. I can't remember it. Uh, the British show, the period piece, everybody raves about it. Abbey...
1: Downton Abbey. Downton
0: Abbey. Man, what is wrong with me today? But anyway, um, this is a show that was a British show, and it played here on Sundance, and it is this he-said-she-said drama about a woman who goes out with this wonderful doctor and he's just, everybody loves him. His former wife died, a little bit of a red flag, but he, you know, whatever, he's so eligible and handsome. His name is Owen Gruffin, his name is Andrew in this. Um, But anyway, he uh, and her go out on a date and she wakes up the next day feeling like she's been roofied and date raped. Um, and at first, it's this really interesting exploration of that subject of whether someone's believed or not believed and, and how bad that can be for people to not believe it because somebody has such a great reputation. But unfortunately, it just descends into genre trope after genre trope, and it just becomes a really muddy show. It's like the first three episodes were so brilliantly written and ambiguous and interesting, and the last three, it's like they brought in like a different writer. It's so dumb. It's It's almost like like it flipped into a lifetime drama for the second half. Um, it, It got that bad. So it was actively disappointing throughout its run, which is... A real accomplishment, i got to say. Was that a miniseries? Yeah, but it's coming Coming back back for season (laughs) two. They (laughs) threw a murder mystery into the end of it, and now it's going to be a second season. So I recommend if you you want some really campy viewing, it's a little bit of fun. And uh, uh, something you always say, Jordan, um, Griffith definitely chews up the scenery in some of those later uh, episodes, as you can imagine. But um, as far as quality, yeah, it's a little weak. And that's, that's my, my most, most disappointing.
1: All right. I guess that brings it to me for disappointing.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, so for me, this was a fairly easy category. There wasn't a lot I watched this year that I was disappointed in. If it was bad, you know, I'm I'm chained to watching anything MCU because I, I just enjoy, like, being in that universe, even yeah, when yeah. it's kind of cruddy. Um, but there was a show that you know, was not what I wanted it to be and was not as good as it had already proven it could be because when the show was revived the first time around, uh, I had all the trepidation and the worry that it wasn't going to be as good, uh, and it managed to live up uh, because I loved Wet Hot American Summer first day of camp, um, but Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later just, it felt like everything I worried the first uh, revival would be. Mm. and maybe that it was that they they kind of played all the jokes or that it just got a little too over the top because that shows definitely from the movie to the first show to the second show has definitely escalated some things it's not unfunny there are some really funny parts but it wasn't as compelling um I, i i think we i still haven't even finished it just because by the sixth episode and there's only eight i was just kind of like I was, I was uninterested in finishing it and then we just didn't get around to it. Now it's months later so I'm just kind of like uh, as far as a show I was really looking forward to because of how much I love Wet Hot American Summer and and was surprised by how good First Day of Camp was. Yeah. Uh, it was a real shame that 10 years later couldn't live up and continue that t- trend. Um, So a simple one but that was my most disappointing show. Nice. Yeah,
2: that's, yeah, that's also one, one I haven't checked, that checked out yet because I also love the movie yeah. and then First Day it, of Camp right. but I you know well in some oh sort of a world like that that's so zany and ridiculous and all that I like it confined to just the camp and all that because that's what it was kind of based on was like you know all these you know adults and stuff at summer camp and all their well, zany. I characters.
1: mean it's still uh, mostly it is. It, it, it does it does a good job. Go and it didn't um, really
2: need any expansion beyond that? Um, you know I was kind of curious to see where those characters would end up, you know, 10 years later, but not
0: curious enough to watch, you know, a full series on that. Did you hear Jordan? He was saying, can you hear him? Yeah. He was just saying that um, he felt that it kind of does mostly take place at camp, this one still. Uh, oh, okay, okay. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, it's all a reunion. Right. Well, you know, I mm-hmm. as an onlooker, can everybody hear everybody?
1: Can you hear me, Jordan? I, mine, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, you can can hear me. Kevin? Put my headphone in a little bit. Okay, all right, we're having some Skype issues. I'll edit these out if I can later. That's good. Can you hear? That's better, yes. Jordan, Mm -hmm. will you say something? Hello. Yeah. You're good. Okay. All right. Um, so anyway, as an onlooker to the first day of camp and this this whole thing, it's very hard for me to understand the fandom. But I I, I guess I can. And it's campy and it's fun. And and uh, if you love that movie and then you come back to it, what's kind of interesting about this is that it fulfills the promise of these actors. Or one of the one of the jokes, right, is yeah, that they're right. obviously ten times older than they should be right, right. to play these roles. Except Paul Rudd, who does not
2: age, and so you can't tell different between him and any of the
0: series, but... <laughs> right, right. But in this case, um, it gives, gives an, an excuse for that, right? Sort of? Ten <laughs> years later? They're still way know. older than they should be. Okay. Alright. Well, anyway. It but seems like, it like a good, good setup.
1: No, I mean, and you know, some people love this season as much as, if not more, than the other one. So it's, it, I think, a matter of taste, a matter of opinion, but I just, for me, it, it uh... And it did, a, I don't know, it did a lot of things right. And there were new characters they introduced that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. I just, on a whole, wasn't compelled by it in the same way.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, um, what's What's next? next?
1: Well, next up, we are finally taking a look at our top three with our third favorite show of the year, Uh, and now, this time, Rich, it is on you to start us off.
0: Okay, well, I haven't chosen one yet, just kidding. Um, Okay, so this is a show that felt like it took forever to finally come out. Um, The... Buzz about Mindhunter was so premature. It was Mindhunter's coming. Mindhunter's coming. I saw it in like the shows that have been greenlit and that are moving forward list like a year and a half ago. Then Netflix had like the trailer five months early, and it was like coming later this year, and it just felt like it never came and it never came. Well, when it finally did come, I was excited, but also a bit trepidatious because it. It could easily be really boring, or it could easily really be, like, Silence of the Lambs retold. Um, and what's great about this show is it is not what you think it is. It starts off a little rocky, um, developing a relationship between these two characters um, and the way it all sort of develops. So what you have is, like, this young buck, very ambitious FBI Guy, uh, agent, and then this guy, this other guy, he's more grizzled and he's chain smoking, and this show takes place back in in the eighties, and 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 he's. Uh, a little bit jaded doesn't feel like the FBI is going to change much and this young guy is really pushing for it to change and then the trio gets built up completely when they get a university professor who sort of studies criminology and psychology And so it's sort of this trio of characters and until you really get to the third or fourth episode that trio hasn't been established so there's a lot of establishing work that needs to be done Um, But once that work is done, and once you get especially to the last three episodes, this show hits masterpiece level. It is an absolute tour de force masterpiece show in those three episodes. And what really makes it excellent is the performance by Jonathan Groff. And what's really cool about it, it's so convincing about him being a rube and kind of not the greatest most insightful guy to becoming this absolute genius on human behavior he does such a good job in the performance that I hated his acting for the first three or four episodes I thought he was blowing it I was like, this is not convincing. He doesn't seem right. Something's off about his character. But as the character arc evolves, you realize that he was doing that very intentionally. In it. And, and it actually works incredibly well. And the feeling that you have when you get to the end of that show is that you saw a complete evolution of this character in this brilliant way. But the other thing you have to realize about the show, for people who haven't seen it yet, it is not the show that you think it is. It is not a Crime of the Week show. It is not a serialized show about a Crime that's being solved over 12 episodes at all. It is a biopic about the evolution of FBI profiling and serial killers and how the terminology was developed. But it's mixed with prestige drama elements that make it fantastic and interesting. And you get to see the backstories of the characters. So you see his backstory and the girlfriend that he's with. Um, and she's very counterculture. Um, and it also shows the lack of trust and lack of faith that the university world had in the police in that era, as well as in the FBI and all the distrust that there is there. Because you know Jonathan Groff's character's girlfriend is in school, and you know whenever he visits her there, they all hate him because he's FBI. It's just a really interesting glimpse into the world. Um, as a little as a little fast forward spoiler, I've I watched the first episode of American Crime Story: uh, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, and it's good for very much the same reasons. That show's fantastic so far, and it's uh, a lot of that is it's showing you inside this. I can story. hear
1: literally nothing at this point. It started fading. If you're, I, apologies if I'm talking over you now, or if you can even hear me, but I can't hear a thing.
0: Okay, all right. Well, we have. Oh wait, no, there you are. Okay, when, when did it cut out?
1: Uh, it was just sort of slowly fading, and I was like, I was, I was going to make a note of it, uh, just because I mean, I assume you use your file primarily, so if there's any issues. Uh, on mine, it's I don't try yeah, just, to make a big just deal just of it, but, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, can, can you hear, you hear me, me now? Yeah, you're fine now. Okay, that's okay. really, really weird. weird. Man, the, the wi is terrible here. Um, okay, um, so anyway, what I was saying was The Assassination of Gianni Versace is a show that I saw the first episode of, and it's very interesting, and I love it, and it's for the same reasons as Mindhunter, where both these shows are diving into a subject I don't know very much about, and doing it in the most dramatic, interesting way possible, and when you start to learn about these characters, it's just fascinating, so, anyway. Yeah, that is yeah. definitely,
1: okay. I mean, not, not like I said, is a show I would like to watch. The assassination of uh, Versace is one I want to see a lot because of how much I loved um, the first season of American uh-huh. Crime Story. I thought, I thought it might, might get your attention with that. With that. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful that it'll be as interesting, but uh, I probably won't see it for a while. Okay, all right, cool. Anyway, my number three, Mindhunter, and I would just say
0: stick with it if you're watching it because it gets so much better than you think it's going to get. All
1: right, awesome.
0: What's What's
1: next? next? Uh, Well, next up, I guess, would be my turn to do number three. All right. Uh, So, for me, this is another show that I had huge expectations for, and um, objectively, like, if I were looking at it strictly from a terms of best, it has issues. Um, It it does some weird things, and I don't know that it is... It's definitely not flawless, but it does a great job of capturing what I I loved about the source material, um, even as it completely changes so many things about it, uh, the spirit is there. And so for me, my number three show of the year is Runaways.
0: Wow. Um, oh. Nice. Nice <sighs> surprise. All right.
1: i I've been, like, from, the, from when they premiered the first three episodes through, I think it was episode eight was the last episode of last year. I mean, the last two are out. I haven't had a chance to see the finale yet just because of traveling and mm-hmm. being all... Going around while but it while have, it, it want airs. to sit down yeah, and
0: really enjoy it, I assume.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I've been watching it with someone, so that that added to that. But um, I really like this adaptation. Um, in a lot of ways, it completely changes so many things about the original source material from you know just how bad the parents are to the the types of things to what the Gaborim are and you know exactly where different characters powers come from um but it does a good job of really fleshing out the parents um you know the, the premise of runaways is that six kids find out that their parents are actually super villains um and then in the show they're not full-on supervillains, but they definitely have powers and they're doing bad things um but the show goes a long way to fleshing out the parent roles because in the comic they're essentially just evil mustache twirling villains. Because there's there's twelve parents, um, and six kids, so that's a lot of characters. And so obviously in the comics the kids get all of the focus. But uh, the show's done a good job of expanding the world and expanding the story and you know changing things up. Um, and it's just I love all ages or not all ages uh, young adult television. Obviously, you know I've watched. Degrassi and Riverdale and Pretty Little Liars and just all these shows that, for whatever reason... The Vampire hit. Diaries? Yeah, The Vampire Diaries. I haven't finished that. but Travesty. Travesty. I'll get to it eventually, all maybe. Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I love shows like that. I, I like shows dealing with teenagers and, and that sort of melodrama stuff. Uh, Runaways does a really good job of, of mixing the t- that with superhero dynamics... Uh, the storytelling is it's 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 weirdly unique. I mean, I it's it's hard to put a finger on why, but it feels different than a lot of stuff on television. Um, and it really go, works hard to give the kids the right voices. You know, they cast young actors. Um, you know, the standard a little bit over teenage age. They're all I think around 25. nineteen to twenty-two or so. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I think the oldest one is about twenty-five. Um, but then they also have an actual teenager playing the youngest member of the team so it's got that authenticity to it um it does a great job with the dinosaur puppet that looks fantastic wow. um and they keep all those things that you know were in the comic and and are very much you know there there are budget limitations it's a hulu show um and it was such a bizarre pick for it to go to hulu it is but a... um i like you that, know, though
0: I like spreading it out a little bit and not overloading CW further. Or Or not CW, CW, sorry. Uh, One of the networks. Or
1: uh, ABC. ABC. But really, in fairness, I mean, give it another year and that app comes out. Who knows? Right. right. Maybe they'll just own Hulu and it'll all come there.
0: Uh, More conglomeration is not what we (laughs) need. But anyway.
1: But yeah, Runaways is – it's a strange show. I don't think it is for everyone, but the pilot is fantastic and is worth a look, and it does a really good job of establishing all these different storylines. And it can be a little rushed at times and a little muddled, and you know, sometimes the sense of urgency for the kids isn't there because the, you know, the teenage issues will get in the way. But I just love watching the show. I'm very excited to see where it goes next. Um, how, how far does, does get it get into the saga? Uh, it's basically – it's essentially – and this was the big complaint a lot of people had with it. It's essentially Preacher Season 1, where it's almost like a prequel to them actually running away.
0: <laughs> really?
1: really? Uh, yeah, like, the first episode goes through the events of the first issue, but, but then, then it's they about don't them. Leave. They don't leave. They stay at home. They're trying to figure it all out. And, you know, maybe that's more realistic. They do a good job of selling the conflict for a lot of the kids. But um, right. I believe by the end of the first season they finally run away. Uh, although I think a lot of the plot points from the rest of the first arc of the series do come up. So,
0: okay. you know, it's, it's, it's not, kind of a mix. There's not, not a from, from the, the parents, parents when the points come up.
1: Yeah, um... I haven't seen the finale yet, like I said, so I don't know what exactly they set up for next time around, but I'm really happy with how strong Runaways was... For me, maybe even
0: specifically, but uh, yeah, I love Runaways. That's my well, number three. Well, you're, you're the hard. hardest. I would say you're probably the hardest audience to please. You are the most dyed in the wool. I mean, it's one of the series, if not the series, that got you into comics, right? And, yeah. And, and so I think you'd be its harshest critic, or did you like genu- genuinely go into it saying to yourself, I will not be harsh on this show. I'm going to enjoy it for what it is and take it at face value. No, if it had been bad, I would say it. But it, That's so not what I mean. You know what I mean. I, going into it with, am I going to be critical and judgmental, or am I going to try to take it on its own terms? There are different ways we all approach shows.
1: Sure, but yeah, I try not to be super fanboy about anything. I mean, if it's it's gonna it's a different medium, it's a different storytelling, and it gets a lot right in right. terms of the general tone, and that was what was important to me. Cool. Um, and for that reason I don't care that they change certain things and certain things had to change. They can't Molly can't be a mutant because they still don't own the rights to mutants quite yet. Right. But um I I'm I'm overall just very happy with the show and what it does to uh, bring the story into a modern era and hopefully uh, they'll they'll continue and it'll help, let the Runaways finally come back and stay around for a while again nice. as a team in comics.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. All, All right. right. Um, is is Kevin, Kevin out for, for the free? free?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah bring, bring it, it to, to us. us. All right. So sure. my number three pick is also the same as my most surprising. Um, so Legion does them mm-hmm. in my top three. Nice. Um, so, again, this is a show I didn't know what to expect going in. Uh, but I think what draws me to it the most is for one, the world building, and then also uh, Dan Stevens' performance, which is just stellar. Um, so just a little information on the show for those of you who haven't seen it. You know, from the comics, David Haller is Professor X's son, uh, and so this is entirely his story. And it, unlike anything else in the X Men universe, this is extremely psychedelic, and um, you know, he suffers from like, schizophrenia and. You know, and that's sort of the premise of the beginning. It's like you're you're watching the pilot and you're like, What is this? And you know, most of it takes place in a psychiatric hospital. Um he has this friend there played by Alfred Plaza, um, who's very talkative and he's very introverted and um you really say
0: most of the pilots. The pilots, the pilot. The pilot. Oh, oh, right. Right. oh yeah, not the
2: show, no, that's what I'm about to say. It's the where it goes from there. Um, so a lot of the first season takes place actually inside the Astral Plane, which is this whole other dimension. Um, wow. that, and, and it's fascinating how they do that, and then the, kind of the characters they introduce there, and the concepts they explore. Does um, it
0: allow forward momentum over the place still? Oh yes, still? yes, yes. Okay.
2: Uh, and that's what I would, I mean, I had those, those concerns going in too. Um, I think by the end of the season is where it definitely is moving it forward more. You know, he's back in the real world, but a lot of you know, like, um, <laughs> oh, at the end of the season, eh? Well, I mean, it like it takes some time to build everything up, but that's what I like it is kind of I like the case, slow burn. Dude. It's slow, and it's not the kind of thing I would usually enjoy. But yeah. I think that um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here because season one is very much about him discovering who he is <laughs> and. You know um, where he comes from, and it is renewed. Powers, right? yes. Well, I mean, I he comes
0: back in April. It, it isn't going to be a problem for Noah Hawley yes. to chew through some plot, right? So right. I don't, so, so it's, it's obviously a, a very specific choice he made. We know that he made the show when he, he was, was offered a bunch of things. He's right. like, I want to do that, right? And I want to do it my way, right? Let right. him do it his way. FX, that whole conversation. Yes. Um, but he from Fargo has demonstrated he can chew through some story. Yes. He can give you a plot-driven narrative that. Uh, you know illustrates its characters as it tells the mm-hmm. story. Right, right. So. And that's the thing I like. I wouldn't have watched it if it was like just
2: super slow and like, you know, an entire episodes like that. The pilot, you know, it does take place mostly in the hospital Um, but again, it builds from there. You don't want um, David
0: Lynch presents
2: Legion? No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a little too much for me but um, no, it very much like does a really good job like combining the psychedelic elements and um, this kind of folk, it kind of like Mr. Robot kind of tone to it, with also, you know, superhero storytelling. Um, and I think, it, and it's something that's very hard to do, and I think the show pulls it off extremely well. Um, I also love all the supporting characters. Um, you know, I mentioned Aubrey Plaza uh, as his friend. Um, also, you know, his love interest is very, really, I don't remember really the actress's name off the top of my head, but she's fantastic. You know, it's, uh, there's just a lot more elements that play out. It's, it, it, like you said with American Vandal it's one of those where like if you just read the Wikipedia description or the IMDB tagline you're not going to get the full extent of what it. you have to really experience it and see just how much it explores over the course of the season and I'm very excited to see where it goes from here because it leaves it off on a cliffhanger and yeah no Ali's storytelling is just phenomenal um, it also makes me really interested to see what he'll do because uh, we talked about last year that he announced at Comic-Con that he was apparently working on something related to Doctor Doom, Uh, and that's really interesting, like, a movie related, and so whether he's just writing or directing that or what, um, or where that's gonna play into the Fox, you know, X-Men Fantastic Four universe, it will be really interesting, because that's a character based on here, I think he'd do a really good job exploring. Um, Also, I love Shadow King in here, and that's what made me want to dive deeper into the comics afterwards, and so Uh, Astonishing X Men, the current run by Charles Sowell is on my pull list, Um, and that deals with that with the whole Professor X and Shadow King relationship really well, too. Uh, So, yeah, Legion, just, you know, whereas Jordan came in, you know, with Runaways being one of his favorite comics of all time, this is one I had not read the source material before, but it's now intrigued me too.
0: um, I really love this part of the X-Men universe, so I'm excited to see where the show will go from here. It's kind of the ultimate thing you can ask for for yes. a comic book-based show, is to make you interested in the source material, Absolutely. but also understand that it's its own thing. Yes. Cool? Very, very cool. Where are we going from here,
1: Jordan? All right, next up, we're going to get a little more hyper-specific for, for our big categories. Um, that would be, first up, we're going to look at our favorite characters, of 2017, um, and this will be on me to start. Wait, 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 wait! What did we, we run, run through, through so far? Can you, can you give me that? Because my list
0: got messed up. up. What have we got?
1: Done? Wish I'd seen surprising, disappointing, and number three.
0: Okay, got it.
1: Cool. Yeah, um, I tried to just basically switch what we were gonna start with with where what we actually started with. No problem. <laughs> All right, uh, but for this one, for favorite character. Uh, this one was pretty easy. I went with Jason Mendoza, played by Manny Jacinto, (laughs) on The Good Place. Okay. Uh, The Good Place is just an absolutely thoroughly entertaining show. It's hard to pick a favorite character. But, uh, Jason is one of the best-played idiots on television. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um he's he's just every word out of his mouth is so stupid but it it, there's a logic to it it makes sense it's not like uh you know dumb for dumb's sake and Mm -hmm. they the jokes manage to hit almost every time uh you know i this this is the smallest spoilers and it still feels bad to spoil even four episodes in uh to this show because you should check it out but at this point there's so many reveals it's not as big a deal yeah just uh, just um, for the fourth fourth episode of season season one one, right? right Yeah, and, you know, skip ahead a little if you don't want to hear this, but, you know, he starts out as a, what seems to be a monk who has taken a vow of silence.
0: <laughs> I've been uh, watching this a little bit, by the way.
1: Yeah, and so he find you know, Eleanor eventually finds out, oh, she's not the only one that's in the good place by mistake. There's also this guy who is a uh, failed DJ from Jacksonville, Florida. Right, And, you know, he's been kind of playing along since he got there uh, by pretending to be this monk, but he's actually a complete idiot who's just this big goofball, but also has a heart of gold. Uh, He has some really dumb beliefs, but he ultimately seems to have his head in the right, heart in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, Not always. Sometimes he is just a scumbag, but, you know, he's getting better. Right. Uh, but it's he's he's just hugely entertaining. I mean, even if it's recently as recently as last night I was watching the new episode and it was like, God, he's always just on and funny and provides some of the show's biggest laughs. And that's saying something because it's a hugely talented cast of very funny people. I mean, all six of the main leads get great laughs on a regular basis. Um, but just in terms of I love a funny character, I like a character that is uh, maybe extremely flawed but does seem to care about the people around him to some extent uh, there is there are a few characters that are just flat out as entertaining as jason mendoza on the good place
2: nice uh, kevin, kevin what, what you got? got cool and yeah good yeah. place is still on my list of things to check
0: out yeah really, always. I, I mean i've, I've been enjoyed, so yeah, i've it. seen yeah. the first four and a half sure. episodes and sure. it's really good
2: cool uh, but as far as favorite character I went with Kenneth on Speechless, um, so Speechless is one I've talked about my before, um, and Kenneth has always been a fan favorite um, among many, but uh, uh, in season two, they've done a lot more with his character and uh, kind of dived more into his backstory, and he's just, you know, not just a goofball, but um, just, you know, seemingly fun to be around, and I like learning more about him, and um, just some of his best moments in the season so far. Uh, There was a Halloween episode where he dressed up as different versions of Michael Jackson, um, and it was just fantastic, Um, but Cedric Yarbrough plays him, uh, and oh, and then there was an episode where they bring in his dad, who's played by Keith David, um, and their interactions were just fantastic. So um, yeah, just as someone who's JJ's caregiver in the show, and I just imagine what it would be like if I had an aide like him at that age, you know? And it would just, you know, I can imagine I to do plenty of zany adventures like they do. But, yeah, as far as the one who just, you know, lights up the show every week and brings such charisma and humor and energy to it. um, Yeah, definitely Kenneth.
1: He's a great character. Um, Just just because I've been, I caught up on Speechless last night. uh, Because I'll I'll usually wait a few weeks and let a couple episodes build up. Sure. Uh, Yeah, he's always entertaining. Yeah. I, I think that show does a lot right. I still, I mean, I, I wish I wish I liked it more. I do think it is a little problematic at times with some of its depictions of uh, what's the word, young male characters. But yeah, Ken, it's always great. It's very entertaining. It can um, be I a really... little too old school at times. I think like you know the
2: showrunner he writes so much of like from his experiences. But you know like the environment of a school day has changed since then. Obviously.
1: Um, oh, no, definitely. So yeah. I think, you know,
2: bringing that more happens, younger yeah. writers yeah. would help with that. Um, overall, I think they do a really good job. But, no, I, I do agree there. I mean, it's not, you know, when I like, look, I love every episode. But right. as far as, like, moments and everything, yeah, Kent is <laughs> the, the scene stealer for me.
1: No, I think, and I think that comes in. I think why I like young adult shows so much right now is because the people writing them are a little more tuned in to what high school was like 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, but then I also like Degrassi, which is very cutting-edge and modern-day in its So, But, yeah, I get that it happens, but he, he seems like he's writing from, like, 30 or 40 years ago. So it yeah, does feel a I... little more dated than it might otherwise.
0: Sure. Um, but, no,
1: Kenneth is great.
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, so I there's so many I could have picked here, and I decided to go authentically and just say um, – Wow. that Jonathan Groff's character and I am looking up his name right now as we speak his name is not what's important guys um but it is Holden Ford how could I forget Holden um Holden Ford he's special agent a FBI behavioral science unit and it I have another actor I want to pick for my best actor, otherwise it would be, he, he fits there really well okay. too because the it's just the growth the arc of this character is so phenomenal um, and, and a close second on that same show would be Ed Kemper, uh, who's actually based on a real guy so it's kind of hard to say best character, but the way they depict him. Um, in the last episode, there is a scene between him and another character that is so chilling and brilliant and moving and scary. Um, it's just so well written and performed. Um, but anyway, the Mind Hunter is just some great characters. I do give it to Holden Ford as the number one though. Cool.
1: Very nice. All right. Well, we're going to go from specific character to specific episode. We, like, For me, I had said we we'd had writing here, and I think we were talking about doing both. But writing, for me, was like a look at best show, because I think my, my number one, for example, would have probably been best writing for me. Um, but we're going to look at best episode, and this one will be on Kevin to start.
2: Okay. So, um, I, yeah, this one had uh, several choices here, but um when it came down to just the episode that I enjoyed the most, um actually well let me do a few call to mentions first. Like uh from Master of Honor, like the immigrants episode. I know Thanksgiving one got a lot of attention too. Um that was great too. But the Immigrants one was fantastic. Um I also really like I wanna give a shout out to some series of unfortunate events. Um I you know that that was a series. This show, show gets no awards season. And it up. really should. Like, mm-hmm. I mean that I mean I don't even I, hear people talking about that. And it that is the curse of coming out in I like February. I mean, yeah. I grew up on those books and you know, it Lemmy It. well, I I always forget what his actual name is, but he writes the show as well, um, and it's directed by the guy who did Men in Black and so and the style is just like it's like Wes Anderson meets Tim Burton, um, and it perfectly captures the essence of the books, and I absolutely adored the pilot. Um, but if I'm out to like look at, you know, what yeah. my favorite episode of the year from, um, especially from a cinematic angle, it would be the Stranger Things season two finale. Um, this was by far their most ambitious one in the entire series, and- Their budget went oh, way up. Oh, their budget went huge, I mean. And it shows here, I mean, um, you know, in the first one they did a lot of Spielberg and Influence and, you know, Sonic Carpenter King. Here they implemented a lot of James Cameron into the mix, and so, uh, you know, the season two finale especially, uh, used a lot of influence from aliens because you know the debt border ends up multiplied and um, they have the oh sorry uh, I'm, I'm not trying right. okay, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> to I'm uh, sorry, uh, I but, wish I could say i finished it. No, it's okay. Well
0: that I mean it doesn't that's not an huge program. Yeah. Um but, um, but, but because the scope of that, is dramatic. the
2: scope is incredible. Um and not only that, but I just love how it builds the um relationships among individual characters um, especially with Eleven and Hopper here, and I don't know how much you like Hopper and Evan oh, knows. Um and he gets some of his best moments here, um, without a doubt. It was just a perfect culmination of everything that had been built up to that point. And there's also in addition to this, you know, huge epic battle at the end and um all, and there's even some exorcist stuff going on, which I won't, you know, dive into that for a spoiler. So but uh, All of this plays out, and it's incredibly cinematic, and the scope is incredible. And then at the end, it goes to this more touching, sentimental way to cap off the season, which was a perfect way to kind of... um, And especially because the show is not going to return until um, two years. uh, Is that right? Yeah. Do you know why? Um, I I don't know if they want to wait a little while for the characters to grow up some so that they can... um, uh, into that. right uh, or i don't know if that's the reason or if it was just because of the budget and stuff and need time to film it um either way I, I, also,
0: I also those directors I, are probably blowing up yeah what happens is yes. they get a bunch yes. of projects yes. it's the yes. reason sherlock comes out so rarely yeah when that show, show first came out cumberbatch and martin freeman were like just like dudes from england who made shows right now they're superstars especially cumberbatch so it takes two three years yeah. and and so Stranger Things I mean also Hopper I don't know what his status is at the end of season well 2 but what he's Hellboy yeah, and yeah. then not to mention you know those directors have blown the fuck up sure. now so sure. they've probably got all kinds of uh, stuff they can do same thing with uh, Donald Lover now that he's so famous he already was but you know he is right right you know he gets to be in Solo in a Star Wars movie and so FX gave him a year off from Atlanta sure. although it's coming back I think in April March or sure. April
2: but because of the, it's not coming back until 2019. I kind of would like to see that them as a little bit older because um, the season 2 finale does a really good job, kind of like closing off like um, this their, portion of, the story. of their lives. This, this portion of the story, story. And this portion of their lives, is like you know young kids and all that. Uh, by the time you know, um, that's good. I'm glad it really rolls I... around. The little kids will be like high school age. I'm glad they,
0: they they allowed, to... allowed it to have some closure yes, as yes, opposed yes. to just saying this show is a smash hit it's right. like, going 10 seasons I mean I there's no a
2: tease at the end for sure. what's going to happen but um, but there's also yeah. nice closure as well good um, but yeah, yeah I'll, be I'll be talking about the next question more too no? but, um, but, yeah, but yeah that I would, would be my favorite, favorite episode was season 2 hey two. at hey, least at next year we won't have to hear about Stranger
1: Things you get a break alright cool am I next? no it'll be on me next alright alright Um, for me this is a category i really was happy about because uh so many things i watch um i really like but don't necessarily do a lot different episode to episode uh and this let me focus in on a care on a, a show that i really love but that didn't quite make my list this year uh and that was the episode stupid piece of shit from bojack horseman um Whoa. and this episode Uh, was the sixth episode of season four, which on the whole uh, takes the show in a slightly different direction, does new things, and I don't think hits the same heights as the third season, but this specific episode did a really good job of kind of showing off the internal monologue that Bojack has a lot of the time, dealing with his depression, dealing with his self-worth, dealing with how he sees himself and how he acts... Um, And we get a lot of that. We get a lot of his internal monologue. We see things from his perspective and the sort of they change art styles and show a very chaotic worldview whenever it's like in his head and how he thinks people see him and, you know, how he's living up to those expectations. And he's a very flawed character. He's a very uh, at times unsympathetic character because he is so awful. But it, you know, a lot, one of the big criticisms of the show is, you know, he is rich and famous and, you know, why do, why, 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 is he miserable? And so, well, depression doesn't care. Depression and anxiety and, you know, it's the sort of things where, especially if you have issues with depression or anxiety, it, it was very reflective and, you know, showed off just how messed up he is. Um, and this episode comes at a really good time in the season when, when all of the plots are kind of going along and it can show his different interactions with them. Um, I mean, it was a season that had some really good formula-bending episodes. This one stood out really well to me. Um, Again, I don't think this season was the the best of the show, but I think season three of BoJack is one of the best seasons of television ever, so it would have been hard to live up. Um, And I'm overall glad with the tone they're taking the show and that it's actually progressing in some interesting ways. Uh, And this episode, specifically Stupid Piece of Shit, um, did a really good job of showing... A different side to the character
0: huh uh, when, when did that season drop
1: i want to say september because i didn't hear much about, about it
0: this this time around i don't know why i, I think it
1: was either it. august or september
0: you heard a lot about, about it from chef uh just, just from, from friends,
2: friends and stuff but yeah like, okay. i i do want to watch it eventually but i've been encouraged it but between jordan and other friends on social media I yeah, i've heard okay.
1: it. cool it's still a show where the first six episodes, I think, watch better on rewatch, but, you know, it, it does take a little bit to get to the show being the show it is, mm-hmm. um, which is always the disclaimer I give. So, you know, after about th- – although I enjoyed it from the from the word go, but it definitely got go- real good by the end of the first season. Um, but, yeah, this episode was fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it.
0: Cool. Alrighty, well, um, my pick for best episode is this. Is the only time for me that I'll be honoring this show, partly because I haven't finished the season, and in large part of that's because it came out on December 29th, ninth. Um, and that is Black Mirror. Um, <laughs> gotcha. So they got just in there, so they can be considered a twenty seventeen show. It's one of the good. Re- one of the reasons it's good that we do our best of lists uh, in January. Um, Because stuff stuff does come up right right until the end, end, especially this day and age. Um, But I made a mistake when I started Black Mirror, and I skipped over the first episode of the season. Before. And the, and the reason, reason I did that is because it didn't seem like, like a Black Mirror episode. It was going to be the weird one. It was the one that when you see the, the trailer, trailer, this is the one, one that takes, takes place, place on, you know, the, the, the Star, Star Trek, Trek episode. Yeah, yeah. It takes place it's on the Enterprise. the Enterprise, and it's, it's like, like, this, this is, is going to be a, a weird, weird, out there, non-Black mirror kind of pushing what Black Mirror is. So I skipped over that one, and I went to this second one, um, which, <laughs> which is, is a coming-of-age story about hyper-monitoring of... Um, on the part of the parents monitoring their kids injecting a little thing in their head that means that they can watch through their kids' eyes as they grow up through adolescence and how horrible of an idea that would be so this idea of surveillance and parenting and also growing up and you know drug abuses in there a little bit needless to say it's fucking bleak and not <laughs> only that but it doesn't have a whole lot of redeeming aspects I'm very hit or miss with Black Mirror it's one of my favorite series of all time I at least top 10 or 15 ever. However, However there, there are some episodes that I straight up, straight up just don't even like.
1: Yeah, um, It's an anthology. You, you know, that's gonna happen. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Now... Uh, what I shouldn't have done is skip over episode one. It was very clearly the first episode for very good reason. So even though they're separate, there's six of them. There is some thought that goes into what order to put them in, so that they kind of you have a roller coaster ride of a uh, you know tones and genres and ideas. And this was certainly the one that should have been first. It's called USS Callister. It is the Star Trek fanboy episode, and it's a fucking masterpiece. It is. Amazing, And it is not, again, what I thought or what you might think. Uh, I'd say it's an hour and a little bit, and I'd say about 20 minutes takes place on the starship. The r- no, maybe 40 minutes. But it's very much grounded in the real world. This is not about that starship. It's about real characters in the real world, and it relates. And you find that out in four minutes. It's not a spoiler. But this episode, it's about MMOs. Um, and what it would be like if real people could be in an MMO, and what about an and artificial consciousness and concepts of like that. Um, it stars the mother from How I Met Your Mother. What is her name? You know, Jordan. Jordan, you there?
1: Uh, no, nah, it's gotten fuzzy again.
0: Oh, okay. What is the mother's name from How I Met Your Mother?
1: Kristen Miliati.
0: Yeah, so it stars her as sort of the protagonist, and then the guy from Fargo and Season 2, and also Breaking Bad, who plays Todd. What's that dude's name? Do you know? I don't know the name, but I don't All right. know. that it. guy. Yeah. Uh, he's really good, and he plays the villain yeah. of this piece. Um, he is a game developer, and he's mm. developing an MMO, and he uses that MMO to live out his fantasies. Yeah. Um, It is so interesting. It is so well written. It is so surprising. It's got humor. It's got terror. It's got really cool ideas. It's everything a Black Mirror episode should be and more. And some of the performances are just magnificent. Um, And you will never, if you thought you hated the guy who plays Todd in Breaking Bad, you you may be in for a surprise. He may surpass that role with how horrendous he is in this. Wow. Um, But But great acting. acting. So that's my pick. And... Yeah, it's completely us?
1: gone again. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, we, we can hear man, you. But, like, as
1: soon as I talk, you guys get better. So it's like, I, is it just that I'm not talking?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it's cool. Go ahead. You're
1: up. Oh, I'm up? Well, you're uh, sorry right about too. that. Well, no, I just finished
0: the USS Callister talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys need to watch, watch more Black Mirror. I don't know why you don't. But, <laughs> I will.
1: I it's I I don't know, every episode is it's like a movie, so it's like a commitment, and I, you know I'm weird about watching movies. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I am kind of too. Alright, so uh, we all talk about our favorite episode, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So next up, what's the next, next category,
1: Jordan? Next up is going to be our number two show of the year, uh, oh, wow. and this will okay. be on me to start off. Uh, well, it's gotten mentioned before, so I'll just go out and say, uh, for me, my favorite second favorite show of the year was American Vandal. Um, I absolutely loved this show from beginning to end. Uh, the, the, the trailer was something that was a complete surprise. I remember seeing the trailer because, uh, it was sent to me and I was watching it. And at first I, honest to God, couldn't tell if it was a parody or not. Um, and eventually it became more clear, but that was the best thing about it yeah. is how seriously it took itself. Um, it, it wasn't, I mean, obviously some of the things are, funny but I don't think it ever goes out of its way to play things for laughs it is like okay if this if this crime actually happened of someone spray painting all these uh, dicks on cars you know hashtag who drew the dicks
0: okay.
1: it was you know there were inherently funny things about it but the characters always took it seriously in their recreations of the spraying uh-huh. in the 3d modeling of a hand job that takes place at a summer camp Um <laughs> uh, It was able to just, like, they play it dead. Like, I I think, you know, obviously the the main accused guy, uh, who I think is played by Jimmy Tatro, deserves a lot of credit but I think the the two lead investigating kids do a really good job of playing so straight and so serious and so invested in uh, or at least on the terms of the head investigator his friend is taking it a little more as a joke and he, he's kind of their comic relief a little bit which is weird to say there's comic relief at a show that is uh, what it is I mean it is a, a parody or a satire of these types of true crime shows. But they both do a great job throughout. They really anchor it. It makes me confident in the second season moving away from that crime into a different crime that they're still investigating. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. But what it is is – like, I like a good dick joke. I think if it's smart and cleverly constructed, it can be funny. Um, I You know, a lot of times – humor like that is just, you know, lowest common denominator. But I think this show crafts a lot of really clever ones without it, like being overpowering. It's able to expand. It's able to be about this high school community and the different characters there and what their different motivations are, you know, kind of like Rich was saying, uh, you know, it can make something as ridiculous as, you know, the Keith for Sutherland tape seem like this crucial piece of evidence. And you're, you're invested in, in them trying to find it and get this exonerating piece of evidence. Um, there's and so also many the, the impression of Kiefer and how serious Dylan is
0: about thinking it's good.
1: Yes, and so there's so much that you know builds in. They build a very good mystery. They have um, what I would say you know are really good reveals along the way. It is a genuine mystery. And, I think the ending is a little botched in my opinion. I know, I know they went for a statement at the yeah, end. I, I wish I they'd just they just they basically, basically
0: told you what. Happened. That's my. I
1: think it's pretty clear. I don't. I. I, It is. I mean, it's it's ambiguous. I guess, but for me, I really like the ending. It is very. It's a surprisingly dark and depressing ending for a a show about you know drawing dicks. But. I, I liked it, um, even though it left me it left me very sad in some yeah, ways. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I, on one hand, I re-
0: appreciate and respect what it does and 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 how it tries to really double down on the theme of uh, not judging a book by its cover and making assumptions. And it really doubles down on that and emphasizes that nicely. On the flip side, it's not as enjoyable as it could have been. Um,
1: I don't know. For me, I, I think it's a strong testament to just how invested it was able to get me in its characters mm-hmm. and in the conclusions to their stories. Yeah.
0: Um, what about the and, Wayback Boys?
1: <laughs> they're <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> um, everything about it is kind of ridiculous, but also very well written. And, you know, you get these scenes and it's it's like it does a good job of, of humanizing the investigating characters um, you have scenes where he makes a tape about his best friend that really pisses him off mm-hmm. or the other tapes he makes that gets him yelled at for the, the footage he was putting out there. Um, the conspiracy almost that is forming around when when the, the documentary starts to take off and he's getting in trouble for it. It's just it's it's such a clever, smart, entertaining and invest easy to invest in show. Um, and who knows who knows what the second season, if it'll be able to live up at all. Uh, it was. It's almost it feels like a miracle that this was as good as it was, but I will uh, definitely watch the second season and, you know, uh, find out the answer to the, the question that they showed in that teaser. You know, can someone be born above the law? I'm, I'm curious to see what that ends up meaning. That's going to be um, about status and elitism,
0: probably. That sounds Yeah.
1: Funny. But uh, for now, um, I I'm, was I'm very happy to find out the answers of American Vandal and the mysteries along the way. So that was my number two show of the year.
0: Or, am, am I up, up next or is Kev? No, it'll be up to you. All, All right. Uh, so I, I have another, another real left fielder for you guys. Uh, I doubt you've either, heard, either of you have heard of this show. Um, I was floored, blown away, in love with this show. It's very rare that a show, I, I go to work the next day and can't wait to get home to watch the next episode. That's how good this was. And this is a show that was, again, a British show. Um, but it aired on Stars earlier this year. Um, and it's called Apple Tree Art. And yeah. it, is by, it has Emily Watson as the main hmm. star. Uh, her name is Dr. Yvonne Carmichael. Um, and Ben Chaplin, who plays Mark Costley, her lover. Um, and it is based on a novel uh, by Louise Dowdy, um, who's a British novelist. Um, but the idea here is it's a four-part series, hour-long episodes. And the idea is it's, it's about an affair. Um, at, at its most core level, it's about Dr. Yvonne Carmichael and it's Emily Watson's character. And she goes and does a speech about, you know, her job, which is, you know, she does genetic engineering testing or whatever. And she meets this strange, mysterious man. Um, but he clearly works there, or so it seems, in this um I think they're in let's see, it says it right here. Um they're in the um Let's see, she's giving a present, in the House of Commons, and so he's like a, like a security person in the House of Commons, at least that's what she first thinks. Um, he sort of says, hey, you know, you were really great in there, why don't I take you on a tour? He takes her down to the secret chapel of the Commons, which he has a key to, so he seems super legit. Um, and even though she's 55, very happily married, has two grown kids, and wasn't ever thinking she would go this route. They have an affair. Um, they they have sex right then and there in this thing that she never would have done. Um, and the affair continues. Um, and then just when you think the whole thing about the show is going to be, who is this guy? Because they sort of set it up like, who is he really? Like, she thinks he's a security guy, but maybe he's something else. Uh, she pretty <laughs> soon starts to think that he's a spy and a part of MI6. And he certainly <laughs> doesn't disavow her of that um, thought. Um, and he's always pointing out cameras and like which ones are real cameras, which ones are dummy cameras. He takes her to the safe house environments but never calls them safe houses. So it's very like leads you on that, that he's MI6 and that's definitely what she thinks. And, you know, a lot of the story is what is he really? Is that true? Can you hear us, Jordan? I heard you blink. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, at the end of the first episode – Um, to talk about the show, I have to mention this. It's only the first episode. Um, She is surprisingly and brutally raped. Um, And it's totally left field because it's not what the whole plot had been about up to that point. It just happens. And then it just sets into motion this breathtaking, brutal, real interesting sequence of events with her and Mark Costley, how he kind of becomes her protector, trying to sort of figure out how they redefine their lives later in life. Um, It's about illusion versus reality, it's about uh, excitement versus the mundane, Um, it's about how when things happen to you that are a certain level of bad, your life will never be the same. Um, and it's about our animal human instincts and whether, what it takes to bring those out and whether they're justified and whether us as humans are all just pretending during the day and are really much more brutal creatures. Uh, it's a brilliant show. Um, and right up till the end, it's brilliant. The character performances are, I mean, you can imagine it's Emily Watson and this guy Ben Chaplin is brilliant too. Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece of character and of... Of storytelling and of misleads and misdirections and some—it's just—it's great. Um, so I would say it's only a four-hour investment of your time if you have not seen this, which almost nobody has. Uh, <laughs> I, you should, I don't think you've to too many lists. List. No, 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 no. Oh no. no, <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't even. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, anyway, Apple Tree Yard, my number
0: two. And where oh, does that take us?
1: Uh, next up, we're going to be the only person who hasn't done their number two is Kevin, yes, right? right cool. So, uh, Kevin, it's on you.
2: Okay. So my number two pick is also a miniseries. Um, that aired on Netflix toward the end of the year. I know it's what it is. The western um, called "Godless," and this is oh, from, okay. created by every episode. It's seven episodes. Every episode was written and directed by Scott Frank, who is the co-writer of Logan and My Report. Airport. Um, it is you know I I have a fair background with westerns. I've seen you know a lot of the Eastwoods nice and um, a lot of the classics and stuff. So I like the genre a lot, but. This show is so much more than that. It takes the genre and really explores it and subverts it. Um, it is a mastery in filmmaking and cinematography. Um, the sets and just the exterior—I mean, any western you watch, you're going to see a lot of exterior shots of you know the mountains and all this stuff. And usually that gets really boring, but here it's so well done and it's so crisp. And um, and that's the thing is I I don't know if Scott Frank has directed much before this, but um, regardless, he shouldn't be from here on because he proved himself as not only um, a great screenwriter of dialogue and characters, but an amazing filmmaker. maker um, So basically what the show is, Jeff Daniels plays an outlaw named Frank Griffin, who is hunting down a rogue member of his gang named Roy Good. And he's hunting him across the Midwest, and um, Roy winds up in this town that's mysteriously occupied by all women. Because there was a mining accident there, they kill off like, most of the men. And so um, it's a small town, and, um, you know, Excuse uh, Frank is hunting him across. And um, they, of course, eventually collide at the end. But there's so much more going on prior to that um, with, you know, the stories of the women there, of Roy, of Frank. Um, Jeff Daniels plays just a brutal villain in his. Gives an iconic performance here. He's on my contender for best actor. I just, um, but I had to give it to someone else here. But um, without a doubt, one of his best performances. Um, He's the only like super big name in it. Uh, The guy who plays Roy is from, he was, I've seen him in the movie Unbreakable a few years ago. Um, So not, you know, a huge name or anything. But yeah, it's just, I mean, and again, it's not a huge investment of time. Even each episode is. Uh, I think the last episode is an hour and a half. The, uh, the rest is like an hour, but it is just a mastery from everything—from writing, directing, cinematography, acting. Uh, it plays out as both an ensemble piece, and you know, the um, there are nice surprises along the way. It's a really great exploration of the genre. There's a lot and, of
0: horse strangling. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> a twenty-minute horse strangling. Yes, there
2: is. Yeah. Who does it? Is it the main character? It's Rory, and he's training. um because. He meets this woman back at the end, um, and her son, and so yeah, he's training him. That. Cool, but um, but uh, it's just it's the perfect point of view, you know. Like I mean, even if you don't like westerns that much, I think there's something to enjoy about it. Um, but yeah, it was just uh, that. Like I watched that in a few days, I think. Um
0: So it was, Yeah, you it was told really me you were enjoying a new show yes. on Netflix, and yeah, like, I guess like yeah, 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 things yeah. first, and then I was It like, came out like
2: right, right after Punisher. I was
0: around. like, wait a minute. Is it a Western? And Kevin
2: was like, it might be. It yeah, I was trying to go, yeah, because I, I hadn't talked about it on the podcast yet, because uh, I watched it. You know, well, it came out for the end of the year. Um, but, but yeah, that was, cool. that was my number two.
1: Yeah, it's one I'd like to check out at some point myself. Uh, sure. Again, I, I I like a good Western, so it's definitely up my alley. I just haven't had a chance, because it did come out pretty late in the year. Yeah, it
2: did, no,
1: it was at the tail end. Um, cool. Is, that's everyone for number two, right? Mm-hmm. All right, then that moves us to so this is a category we do every uh, different show that we do just because it's it's a fun one where we just kind of off the cuff uh, for the other hosts if they can even come up with one. We make up a category, uh, whether it's to honor a show that we uh, didn't get a chance to fit somewhere else or it's just a category that we really like. and you know, it's not something that we're super into, but it's something we wanted to mention. And so this is our made-up category. We're each gonna do uh, our own, and then after after one of us goes, the other two can have a chance to kind of quickly chime in with one of their own if they have one. Uh, Rich, this will be on you to start off with your made-up category.
0: All right. Um, so I had one, and yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the one that I had. So this is called show that's clearly amazing, but I may not watch. Um, And the award goes to the deuce. Um, I've seen seen the the first first episode and it it was brilliant. brilliant. It It was riveting. It was shocking. It was horrifying. And the last thing I feel like doing is watching episode two. (laughs) Um, It is a show that in its earlier stages is really about pimps um, and the pimp lifestyle. um, And then also um, these two twin brothers that are sort of there and you know, and the backdrop is this, this very sort of seedy. I think it's New York. Is, New York. is the Deuce in New York? I'm trying to remember. I um, believe it is. Yeah, I think it's New York City. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's basically complete. like there's two, two sides, to sides to the story. story. Um, there is the twin brother side and he's, he's like, like a bar- One is a bartender, bartender. The other one is a gambler, a degenerate gambler. The two of them love each other, but at the same time, like they, they're at odds because one is responsible and one isn't. And then on the other side, you see Maggie Gillen- Gyllenhaal and, uh, she's a, a prostitute, but one who is doing it as maturely as you can do it. And that is sort of demonstrated against these other women who are much more fly by night just kind of trying to struggle to stay alive she's saving up, she wants to provide a better life for her kid, and I know that the show is moving towards looking at the porn industry, and all these characters are going to shift away from prostitution and into porn Um, (laughs) nice evolution there, I guess Um, but the uh, there's a pimp in this uh, (laughs) that is and it sounds weird to say, but that is what he is he's a pimp Um, And he is so brutal, and it depicts the, at the very end of the first episode, it does that, don't make me cut you, bitch, or I'm gonna cut a hoe, that whole, I'm putting that in quotes, that's not the way I talk, but that's the thing that, you know, you've heard before, you know, don't make me cut a bitch. That is the final scene, and I've never seen that before, and I was so shocked and so horrified I don't know if I can watch it. It's too painful. Um, It really is. Now, uh, at the same time, this is David Simon's new show. Um, And with George Pelicanos, the two of them historically did The Wire, one of the best shows ever made, if you ask TV Buffs. Um, It is also the people who did Treme. Um, And I think Locke? Maybe they had something. Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, uh, they look into this world, and it's a really real look. Um, but I would just have to say uh, Gary Carr plays Cece, who's described on Wikipedia as an affable but ruthless pimp. I would lead towards ruthless. Um, it's brutal, and it's very painful to watch someone be treated that way, even though I know that happened and happens. Uh, it's very hard to see. Um, so, so I don't, don't know that I'll keep watching it, but man, was it good. It, it was, was really, really well done, really good dialogue, <laughs> really compelling, uh, not very much fun. So. Cool. Sure. You guys have any picks like <laughs> that? Shows um, that you kind of think are great or know yeah. are great, but you just don't have yeah. any interest man, it's in watching? Handmaid's fair. other I than me, a little okay. depressing. That's but, fair. Um, um,
2: I mean, very well done. Of course, Elizabeth Moss's performance was fantastic, um, but yeah, a little too grim for me. Okay. <laughs>
1: Darn. Um, you know, well, Westworld didn't come out this year, so... I'm <laughs> uh, gonna throw a little shade on that. No, you know, I don't know that there is, because all the shows I'm thinking about are just shows I haven't gotten around to. Yeah. The closest I can think is probably Divorce on HBO. Yeah. Because I know that's gotten really good reviews. It has, uh... That's Thomas Hayden Church, oh, yeah. right?
0: And
1: yeah, and I love he, Thomas Hayden Church.
0: Enough.
1: Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I just, I'm not... Not that I couldn't empathize, not that I couldn't sympathize or, or connect, but it's because it is that that sort of type of thing that is a little older in life, and and I don't know that I would immediately be able to connect to. It hasn't really jumped out at me as a show. I mean, it's the kind of show I could probably watch in in ten, fifteen years and collect a, connect a little more to. It's how I feel about. Um, the world's end. I think it's a very good movie, and it's clearly very well constructed. But it is my least favorite Edgar Wright movie because it is definitely written from the perspective of the forty-year-old experience right. in a way that not none of his other movies are. Right. Um, so for me, probably divorce. But I'm not. I don't feel super strongly about it. Heck, I could end up just accidentally watching it and liking.
0: It. <laughs> it's pretty. It's <laughs> pretty much like that. It's a. I've, I've seen, seen some of them. it um, with with somebody else who was watching it, and um, it is definitely enjoyable and really easy to just watch and not even realize you watched it.
1: Yeah, that was the only show that came to mind for me on that one. Uh, Kevin, you got what's your made-up uh, category? Made-up
0: category? So, I know we did favorite episode, but um, I wanted to talk about a favorite moment
2: in um, TV of 2017. Okay. And That's so, okay. Um, for me, that would definitely be, you know, I love Crisis on Earth X, and I'm sure i to testify to that, too, uh, which was a yep. big Arrowverse crossover a lot um, of fun. the year. And with that, I mean, maybe the best thing the Arrowverse has done so far um, but a favorite moment in that was the sacrificial death of a major character. Um, Rich, do you mind if I say who it is for the sake of it? I mean, it's not... You only watched Arrow, right? No, 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 I
0: watch it, but I'll um...
2: Rick, uh, do you mind if I say the character's name, or would you rather not? How, how far in is it? It's not... He's not even a character in Arrow. He's more Flash. And, like, I mean, For
0: how long um, has he been in the series? From the beginning?
2: Uh, season 2 of Flash, and then he was a regular on Legends for a while.
0: I guess guess it's fine.
2: Okay. Uh, Dr. Stein, which is the older half of Firestorm, played by Victor Garber, um, he sacrifices himself in Crisis on Earth X so that um, his younger self, Jefferson, can become a full Firestorm. Um, That's cool. And so they had announced prior to that that... um, yeah, victor Garber was leaving legends but uh everyone assumed he was just going to like the character you know he would come back to his bad. family right. right right and um he they had set that arc, up and, um so yeah, everyone right. thought that but to actually you know kill him off in a big crossover round like this was a bold move and one that had an incredible emotional weight to it uh, you know um it's a character needed to become a fan favorite i always really liked him and you know, you got like and, like, Victor Garber playing him. Um, and then, he's awesome. oh, he's brilliant. And then um, he and uh, Jefferson had such great chemistry. And so it was really sad to see him go, um, but also, you know, awesome that he, they gave him a big heroic sacrifice moment. In um, a crossover event, it was just, you know, fantastic all around of it. Because um, whereas, like, the 2016 crossover was a ton of fun, um, but it didn't really have, like a lot of impact on the universe going forward from that you know it was a lot of fun they brought the show together and they had a big alien fight and all that um and it was awesome to see but with this one they actually did major things in the story that impacted the shows going forward this being you know probably the biggest uh or one of the biggest moments um and so it took it was in like part four um i watched it all back so i don't remember exactly but um but yeah it was just a really emotional moment um and you know the whole crossover felt like you know a long movie uh, that, and this was you know an emotional core to it, and um, so yeah, it was sad to see the character go, but I'm glad they gave him a great send off, and um, and it, it was a really a great event for the errors So Jordan, get out kind of yes. this, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean if I had to, this would have been, this would be on my short list if I was really making an effort to con- <clears throat> excuse me, had the time to consider it because I, I really. I love the crisis crisis event on the whole. I love that it was just shot like a miniseries that was kind of separate from everything else, but still had bearing. Um, But it wasn't like the Supergirl episode had to be a Supergirl episode, for example. Um, I hope that when it comes time to release all these seasons on Blu-ray, they just do a crisis Blu-ray and let that be its own thing. Uh, But for me, uh, a moment that I really love this year – and I'm I'm not gonna spoil this one uh, because I think it would be terrible too, especially if you still haven't seen it. And uh, I guess at this point have avoided the spoiler. Uh, but the season one twist ending to the Good Place.
0: Oh, I can't um, wait to watch it. I'm actually uh, four episodes in, and I'm going to finish it in the next couple of days. Thanks for not spoiling it. I'm really into that.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's the best twist in a TV show I've seen all year, easily um it was a that it was that it that they were able to pull it off that it managed to come across so genuinely without you know ever ever being you know it was definitely hinted at when you look back but it, it 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 got me it got i think a lot of people i think a few people guessed it but it wasn't like something super um obvious to pick up on and just how electric that moment was and how good it was and then what it's led to has all been fantastic so, uh, the season one twist of The Good Place would be my, uh, moment.
0: Awesome. Um, boy, do, do I, have, I a have a moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna wait, wait because, because it is the ending, and I won't spoil it at the time, uh, of my, my number, number one show, show. so I'll, I'll talk about that, about that later. Okay,
1: cool. Alright. Uh, and then I guess I make my made-up category? That's, That's it. it. Alright, you probably, you guys probably won't have one for this, uh, maybe you will. You never know. But uh, I wanted to – we didn't do worst show of the year because, again, I think like Kevin said, with with bad TV, it's not usually something that you stick around with like you would a game or a film or a comic. Uh, Unless you're me because I watch so much bad television intentionally. Uh, So for me, I'm kind of honoring because this is definitely the worst show of the year. But this is my So Bad It's Good award. Yeah. which would normally just go to I could also call this the Gotham award because normally it could just default <laughs> to that ridiculous show. But I am behind on Gotham. Oh no! Uh, so for me, the so bad it's good award goes to Inhumans. This show is an atrocious wreck. <laughs> it's so bad in everything it does. Did, <laughs> Did you, you actually, actually watch it? I've seen. I watched all eight episodes. Yeah. No. Seen, episodes. Yeah. no! Yeah, the entire,
2: the entire thing. thing.
1: Wow. I watched all of it again. MCU. Why? I watch it. <laughs> All right. uh, but more so than Iron Fist, which is arguably – is is definitely less enjoyable, but I think has more glimmers of, of at least somewhat good ideas. Uh, but Inhumans is so laughably bad that it somehow sustained me for eight episodes of Entertainment – Um, it's so dumb. It's so poorly written. The effects are so cheap. They do these shortcuts to get out of having things like, you know, shaving Medusa's head so that they don't have to do the hair anymore. Um, which looks terrible anyway. It does these ridiculous... For eight episodes it has an astonishing amount of filler because the cast is split up for most of it and we see things like Crystal falling in love with a surfer boy or Karnak. Oh. The the great Kardec who is a you know super genius character, he's a pot farmer for a good three episodes or so.
0: It's just such a bad premise for a show. Like take the inhumans and take them out of that cool world they're in and make them all like be in weak weakened situations. I saw well, the, I saw the premiere in theaters. Yeah. And <laughs> Uh-huh.
1: I really wanted to. We ended up not.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, but it is... It, 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 it disregards character arcs that it sets up. It goes to these really dumb places with just about everybody. Um, my, one of my favorite things about it is it, it does a really good job of making you kind of hate the Inhuman Royal Family and what dicks they are to their people. Because if, if in Inhuman society, if you uh, go through Terra genesis and don't have a power... Sucks to be you. Guess who's working the mines? For I the rest. know. I know. And so it's true. With Maximus and, and God help, uh, oh, what's his name? Eon Rowan. Is oh, that it? Um, the guy from from yeah. Game of Thrones yeah, who yeah, plays yeah, Maximus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I always I always forget how to say his name. Uh, you know, you kind of side with him because he's like he's going to overthrow and he's doing it for very selfish reasons. But it's kind of like I mean maybe this is better than them because they kind of suck. <laughs> Wow. It's so elitist and terrible uh, to be yeah? on the move. I still don't understand
2: um, why, for the theatrical release, they shortened it from like.
1: Well, to, because uh, they, they said uh,
2: what it they was like the the actual one was like seventy five minutes, and they, on they TV basically it was a two hour premiere.
1: I'm pretty sure what they took out was this whole Earth based uh like this astronomer character that ends up going on to be in the rest of the season. Um, yeah. And develop and also, a weird romantic energy with Medusa. Also uh,
0: the weird uh they removed the part about the dude leaving the hoof print and the problems that that left. <laughs> yeah. I know that so, sounds crazy. Oh, stupid, I, here, here, but it okay, isn't I do want to no. check it out just for Listen, yeah, the It's obvious, insane.
1: It. It's super dumb, but it is it's 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 a it's a sight to behold how bad in humans is. Um and I I, I just i can't say anything more it was so dumb it was so bad but it was really good and i enjoyed it, indulging it it has one of even even towards the end you would think it would run out of steam but it has one of the most overdone ridiculous scenes i've seen in a long time um and so it's just you know lockjaw looked pretty good though so i can give it that okay uh, all right but so that's my so bad it's good i don't know if you guys have anything for that but
2: uh Iron Fist would be the one for me, but, like, but not, <laughs> not even so bad as good.
0: It was
1: just bad. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have a worst, this wouldn't be a bad place to put it either, but yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: there, there was something was... that I saw. No. No, I'm going to pass. I may, I may
1: think, of think of something later, but at the, the moment, moment, no. No problem. Uh, all right, well, that was our made-up awards. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. All now we're going right. to take a look at Actor, our our favorite actor of the year. Um, and I just talked, so that puts it back to... Kevin? Yeah, Kevin, you're up.
2: Okay. Um, so I had a few honorable mentions here. Definitely Jeff Daniels was on here, regardless. Um, yeah, he Flipper is just a master of performance as the villain there. Um, David Harper on Stranger Things. Um, once again. Yes. We <laughs> um, But if I had to pick my favorite, though, of the year, as far as one who... I thought this game, and had already been introduced in a previous show, but really nailed the character even more here. Um, John Bernthal for the Punisher.
0: Um, okay, good yeah. pick. All right, and I'm going to
1: jump in it. a little I, too. Mean, um, uh, is there so because, ahead, hold on, Jordan.
0: Uh, you're going to jump uh, in a little too, you said?
1: This is also my favorite actor of the year. Oh, sweet.
2: Awesome. Okay. Um,
1: so, you go ahead first, though, Kevin.
2: Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's
1: just, uh, you know, they did a great job introducing
2: him in Daredevil Season 2. Um, but here he gets even more of a chance to shine and really build on Frank Castle's character um, exploring the PTSD aspects, exploring, you know, that there are different sides to him, that yes, he has this crazy side and this beast inside him that he wants to fight and is trying to control, but ultimately can't. And at the same time, he has empathy and um, he shows that in the scenes with, um, you know, the family there and um, the flashbacks with his wife. and. All these things going on. I just thought the show itself is a really great exploration of his character, more so than the Punisher movies ever were. And John Brenthal just nails it um, in this role. Uh, The physicality, the facial expressions, um, his vocal expressions. You know, it just. uh, I I saw one interview where he said that, uh, and he had been doing this ever since Daredevil, but. every morning on the way to work he would like walk along a bridge for a couple hours not talking to anyone and just keeping to himself because he really wanted to get as in sync with that character as he could and um you know as someone who um, and also you know i always liked like him as an actor before that on walking dead and whatnot um but here he just proved how well he can carry his own show and just do it with a level of nuance and depth that had not really
0: been seen on screen
1: before with his character. And so absolutely favorite actor of the year. How about you, Jordan? Uh, so for me, the the thing that I, I really... You know, I agree with a lot of Kevin's points. But I think uh, for me, it's just the... It's two things. One is the intensity he brings to the role. Because when he is... When he goes into, like, Punisher mode and he has to do that. He has this very distinct vocal pattern where he just the, the intensity builds and the way he can talk to people and and it's it's the way he can modulate his performance and the type of character Frank is when he's on and when he's at work or versus when he's dealing with the people that he actually likes um he's different around Micro's kids than he is around Micro or than he is around Karen right. or when he's you know with his old friends and you can actually see the one time he kind of feels the most at home when he's hanging out with his um the one friend of his who runs a support group, or or even early yeah, on when I he first, yeah, or when he first meets Billy, and and you know he's happy to see him. Um, and there's there's just uh, it's that layering where I think a lot of it does come down to that sort of um, intensity because it in Daredevil it's a lot of the Punisher and it's that idea of how intense he is. Sure. And you get a little bit of the hint of how he could be different when he's with Karen, and you know she's in this as well, and he he plays off of her differently. But he just gets – he plays such a range of different characters from the sort of checked-out, removed version that he is at the very beginning when he's working the construction site to any of the times he has to go full-on uh, badass and, you know, kill a bunch of dudes. He just – it it stands out. It definitely stands apart from a lot of the stuff he's done in the past. He's shown that he is a very versatile actor. Um, you know, it always is amazing to me because I, I think of the first places I saw him were episodes of How I Met Your Mother and then he was a – he was on a sitcom called The Class, and he played a completely different character there. And so uh, he's got a lot of range. I think he gets to show it off as Frank Castle. And, and you know, for that reason, it was just immediately came to my mind as the best uh, actor of the year for that reason.
2: Absolutely. And uh, just another note on the show, too. I really liked how they developed the relationship between him and Billy, because in the comics, you know, that's his nemesis. They don't really have that kind of friendship and backstory. And I really like that they did that for the show, and um, it made you know them falling apart more have more of an impact, and um, you know them becoming enemies. And I really like how that progressed, and makes me excited for season two.
1: Definitely. Although I will say, I, if, if if there was another award I could give out, it would be the least subtle foreshadowing award for <laughs> how many times they they mentioned how pretty Billy's face is throughout that season. Oh <laughs> God!
0: Please no. Yeah. I don't want to watch Traces get cut up. Uh, Uh, well, (laughs) anyway. Am I uh, in luck or out of luck? You're not in luck. (laughs) Okay. What do you got, Rich? Uh, all right. Um, so, best actor, um, by a mile for me. I went a little more conventional on this one, um, agreeing with a lot of the awards this year. Um, Alexander Sarsgaard for Uh, Big Little Lies. Um, Okay. All you really need to know from the beginning of the show is he is this husband who is beating his wife, and yet he convinces you as the viewer as to why she'd stay with him as long at least as she does. So it's the best depiction of a very, very destructive, horrible relationship and horrible spousal abuse Uh, and that extra piece of explaining why somebody would put up with this he is so charming he's such a fantastic father and convincingly so you can believe that this one man could inhabit both personalities um when he turns when he changes into the the demon version of himself it's so convincing and seamless and his apologies are so convincing and heartfelt and truly meant i mean he is damaged um, the role is beautiful, and then when as the show progresses and things are revealed, it gets even better. Um, it's just a tour de force performance, and um, that's all I'll say about it for right now. But it's yeah, it it, it deserves he deserves all the awards he's getting and more. He makes that show. You'd think it'd be the women, and they are great, but he really kills it. The scarf cards have been quite a year.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <it's kind> of... <laughs> I, I I I wanted to check that out. um I started the pilot um, and then got stopped because uh, Liz came home, and then I just haven't gotten back to it. I should, though.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> you definitely should. All right. Next,
1: next up is Actress. Uh, and so this one, I guess, I'll start off with. And uh, this one was, again, it was a chance to, you know, uh, to, to, to look at someone who, uh, from a show that maybe not have gotten recognized elsewhere. Um, And, you know, sometimes it is very easy when an actor or actress has continued to do a stellar job year after year to just sort of take it for granted. Um, But for me, still one of the best performances on TV is uh, Gina Rodriguez as Jane Villanueva on Jane the Virgin. Uh, She plays an amazing range of emotions throughout what is now approaching the end of its fourth season. Um, and has has helped, you know, show the character's evolution and shown so many different facets. And uh, yeah, one of the things, you know, she's very good at selling the the devastating emotional moments. Um, and you, you definitely connect with the character as a result of her performance. But you can also sell the anger and the different... Uh, fantasy versions of herself that she has to play in different episodes. Cause what's great about Jane the Virgin is each episode, not every episode, but a lot of the episodes will be based on, oh, this one's going to draw inspiration and her fantasies are going to be based off of, um, luchador wrestling, or this one's going to be based out of romance novels or this one she's going to look at, you know, what would fun Jane do versus what would mom Jane do? And it, it allows her to do so many subtle little differences, uh, to her performance. And it's not a surprise that, you know, she's definitely gotten a lot of critical buzz for this earlier on in the show, and I think still does. But, you know, again, it's just she's been doing it for four years now, uh, and that she still manages to show a lot of range and a lot of commitment to the role, especially as she's growing. Uh, Gina Rodriguez is, you know, starring in films now and getting a bigger profile, but she still clearly uh, is invested in and enjoys being on that show, which it seems likely is going to wrap up in the fifth season, at least from what they've been saying and you know that it's stayed as good as it has is largely um, due to her performance as well as the supporting cast. I mean, there are a lot of great people on the show uh, but I'm excited to continue watching that story when it wraps until it wraps up. And then, you know, I'm glad to see that she's getting more acclaim and more uh, big time roles. So Gina Rodriguez from Jane, the Virgin was my actress of the year.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right rich alright this is one of my honorable mention shows so I'll talk about it now as part of my actress category Um, my actress of the year is Sarah Gatton or if you know him, um from Alias Grace. Okay. So for those okay. who don't know, I'm having like the obscure year this year. Hey, um, uh, for for those, those that don't know, know, Alias Grace is the, is the other the Margaret Atwood uh, inspired. Oh, that you were talking about last time. Awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And, so and so I'm not going to go, go too heavy into it because if you, you want to hear, it, me, it you can go back. I talked about it on a previous piece. episode with Kevin. Um, but it is a series about a woman, a Canadian woman. Actually, she's she's either Scottish or Irish but then she goes to Canada and um, there's a murder that takes place in the home where she lives and she's pretty much considered guilty immediately her along with uh, this uh, shrubbery guy that works on the shrub They didn't think of him as shrubbery guys back then I assume. Landscape, not even that, uh, just a Uh, farmhand. The the two two of them it's thought killed uh, this woman Uh, and uh, her husband and basically um, she has been in jail for a while and a community of Christians thinks she shouldn't be in jail anymore so they hire a psychologist who's on the cutting edge of uh, psychological science and trying to get her to go back and remember what happened because this whole time she's been saying she doesn't remember Um, and it's a masterful performance she is a manipulator and she's had to learn to manipulate because she has been abused, molested, harassed, tortured, put in jail, put in psychology, psychology wards and tortured. I mean, she's just gone through grueling torture to the point where instead of letting it break her, she learned how to retreat into herself and manipulate those around her. And so the entire show is her talking to the psychologist, and then there's flashbacks to what happened and how her life led to this murder. Um, and it's, it's the unreliable narrator magic shows that shows are able to pull off when they do it really well, where you don't know if she's telling the truth. If you don't know. I'll give you a great example. There's one scene where she tells a particularly... Psychology based story about how she goes through some horrific shit and then she has a dream and sees like a bunch of like cows strung up in trees. And then she wakes up the next morning, walks outside, and sees a bunch of blankets had somehow ended up in the trees in the same position as the cows. Now, that probably never happened, but she narrates to us, the viewer, and she says, Oh, doctor, I can see how much you're enjoying this story. I'm so glad to give you that much pleasure. So there's these little hints of her devious side. it's just brilliant. It's a great performance. She kills it out of nowhere, and uh, she really makes Alias Grace. That show would not be nearly the show that it is without her. Um, it's really excellent. It's an honorable mention of mine, and primarily for her. Cool,
1: awesome. All right, uh, Kevin, what do you got? So my favorite actress
2: of the year would be uh, Merritt Weaver from Godless. Um, she played uh, right. um,
0: yeah, so also one of
2: the like I said, there are several major characters in the show because you know, of how the narrative plays out. Um, But she's basically the main female character um, in this town that uh, was uh, hurt by the mining accident. And so she pretty much takes charge and um, is assuming rather than um, trying to, you know, run the town in the wake of this tragedy. And um, she's just a very no-nonsense kind of character, um, has a grip on everything when no one else does. Um, there's also a love for her and a woman there, um, there, you know, and she is also amazing Fighter at the end, she gets some really awesome moments there, um, but her performance is just very nuanced, it's effective, it's believable, it, and it helps, too, that Scott Frank's dialogue is so well-written, and all these characters just sound really believable, uh, but, yeah, she just brings a lot of command into, um, her screen presence, and, um, you know, had me as intrigued as Jeff Daniels did. Um, pretty much throughout the series, um, especially you see it with, you know, like the town sheriff um, who lost his family is more uh, unreliable, and you know, no one in the town that has faith in him. So she has to take charge and um, be sort of the one holding it all together, um, and that especially plays out in the battle at the end. Um, so yeah, someone I didn't really know of before, you know, she really brought a lot of charisma to her role and really, uh, as big biggest scene stealer as, you know, someone like, like Jeff Daniels on the show. Awesome. awesome. I mean, think the more you talk about, about it, the more, more I want to watch. Oh yeah, I think you'll really like it.
1: No, it's definitely, hopefully something I can check out soon as well. Sure. Cool. What's right, that? Uh, Well, those are all of the big categories outside of our number one, but we are going to, of course, take a quick minute and, you know, share some of our honorable mentions, the shows that we did really enjoy for whatever reason or another, and that didn't quite crack our top uh, number, our top three list. Cool. Um, And so that'll be, Rich, you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: So Glow is an honorable mention for me. I enjoyed that show. It's quite fun, especially certain scenes. Um, especially Mark Maron. Uh, he kills it. And I love the story of Mark Maron in that his career was dead. And as podcasters, I love this story, especially because he said, man, what happened to my fucking career? It's dead. This sucks. Why did this happen? And what he did, instead of wallowing in it, he did that for a while. But then he started a podcast. And the one thing he still had were a bunch of connections in the comedy world. So he invited all his very wealthy, famous comedian friends that were still relevant. And he interviewed them about how you stay relevant as a comedian and what makes a great comedian. And he made a show, a smash hit. And he revitalized his career. And now he's in GLOW. And he's the best part of GLOW. Um... Obviously, uh, the main girl in it, you know her name really well, Jordan. Alison right. Brie, yeah. Alison yeah. Brie is phenomenal. Uh, as you pointed out when you saw this, uh, Jordan said, not very likable, but man, she's committed, I think was the word you used.
1: Um, yeah, she plays a character that is um, definitely driven, uh, but can be a little selfish. And I, I think part of it seems to be she's getting better as the show goes on. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll go ahead and say this was also an honorable mention for me. You, you finished, finished it? Uh, I did, yeah. No, I loved Glow. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad it got renewed. It, it was... Honestly, I almost made this my made-up category because I almost wanted to call this my... my Best all arounder because it kept it was it was in contention on so many categories actress uh, top list surprise it was in so many places where I was like yeah but it, but it didn't quite crack it anywhere but it definitely deserves recognition so I'm glad you you picked it as well as an honorable
0: mention nice it. nice um, my other picks are obviously Alias Grace, Grace which didn't make the cut um, I always enjoy Midsummer Murders although I can't really say it's a great show. show. Um, there was another season this year for what it was. Um, American Vandal, obviously loved that show. Um, but the biggest one for me was another obscure show called Back. Have you heard of this? No. No. So Back is the new comedy from the creators of Peep Show. You've probably seen that on Netflix. It's a famous British comedy about two friends who are friends technically, but they just like give each Live other. Together. No, Don't no, no they're two guys. No, no. They live together. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, they do. Yeah. But like they're 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 very different, but they're both like really self centered young men and they just like like I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. One of them uh plays the other one's music for this girl they both like and like laughs about how shitty it is and then the other friend walks in and it creates drama. It's that kind of show. But it's really right. told from a unique perspective. I don't love Peep Show. I've since I watched Back, I went back to check out Peep Show and it's kind of up its time. I might try to give it more of a chance. But basically it's this comedy duo. One plays the the more straight man, one plays sort of the Woody Allen neurotic character, and the two of them kind of verbally spar. But the premise is there's a guy Um, and he is 48, uh, divorced, still in love with his ex-wife who lives in town, Um, and he had parents who had a ton of foster kids. Well, as he grows up, his dad finally passes away, and his dad owned a bar, you know, like a local Cheers-type pub in Britain. Well, one of the foster kids or so we think and we don't know at this point at the end of the season we still don't fully know the answer to this but one of the foster kids comes back and he actually came back into the life just before the dad died just in time to ingratiate himself enough to get a little piece of the pub left in him so basically he comes back and he's the kind of character who just thinks so highly of himself. He's incredibly well read, incredibly well traveled, knows everything about everything. But he's also the kind of guy who like uh, somebody when he's flying in, the way they introduce you to his character is uh, somebody needs um, Uh, mouth to mouth on the airplane and they're like is there anyone who's a doctor or trained in CPR and he goes I am and then a real doctor behind him raises his hand also but they call on him so he goes up and the next shot you see is the stewardess saying thank you you tried everything you could and he's like I know we just just couldn't save him you know he's just he, he comes out looking smelling like roses even when he does really fucked up things just people love him so the other flip side is is the actual son of the father is dying because this guy andrew comes in and just everybody loves him and so it's that interplay played for tremendous laughs and there's drama about was he really a foster kid whose parents hooked up with who and and, and all of this comes back and and bad things happen to the pub and, and it's just it's it's, it's definitely, definitely the funniest, funniest show i watched all year mm-hmm. uh the, the reason, reason I, I watched it is because, because I saw a lot of best of 2710 lists 2017 lists and a lot of them actually included it um so I went and saw it on Sundance and I mean I'm telling you if you want to watch a great comedy it's like six episodes you know everything in England is short yeah yeah um it's been renewed. It's coming back, and man, is it great! But you but can see it on Sundance.
2: Oh, if I ever want to know anything on British TV, I know where to
0: go. Oh man, <laughs> I I could go on and on. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Back is my biggest honorable mention. Almost made the cut. It would have been four or five. Cool.
1: Very nice. It's not. I, I you know, as you talked about it, I feel like I did hear about it, yeah. but I I can't quite place where I did. But I, I think I saw it on some lists yeah. when I was looking through. It so
0: was awesome. that's what got
2: me there.
1: <clears throat> cool all right uh, Kevin what are your honorable mentions
2: okay uh, for me you know, Punisher would definitely be on there um, you know I was maybe my favorite um, Marvel Netflix show. I mean it's close to being that but I did love you know I mean it's intense and hard pounding but um, it's well worth watching and it's great exploration of PTSD, and, you know, Frank Castle as a character, so really love that. Uh, Master of None, you know, all the Aziz very controversy right now aside, um, but there were some really great episodes this season. Um, you know, I really liked how the narrative progressed and how it did, did different things, not only with the writing, but with also with the filmmaking. Um, you know, there was an episode entirely in black and white. There was one um, that had about eight minutes of it without sound, because from the perspective of of a, a deaf character, character. Mm-hmm. um, so that really enthralled me. Um, and then other than that, well, um, and like I mm-hmm. said, exactly, Crisis on Earth X was probably my, was, you know, one of the mm-hmm. best, you know, I like, you know as many sort of an event. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It was one of the best. My favorite, you know, times in TV all year long. Um, you know, and probably the best thing that the universe has done so far. Uh, I love every minute of it. Awesome.
1: Alright. For me, I just had a few others. Like I said, Glow was one of them. Um, Riverdale has been an absolute trashy delight uh, to watch. Um, I really love that show for how over-the-top ridiculous it can be. Um, Legends of Tomorrow is one that has really recovered from a bad first season and delivered just great fun every week. It has a great cast of characters. I think, you know, it sh- it shuffles its cast just enough each season to be different, and also knows how to get rid of the problematic characters and bring in better ones and, and introduce new things. It's able to go to weirder places than any of the other shows. It might not always be the best plotted. Like, I think season five of Arrow was probably the best uh, writing in the Arrowverse this past year with, with the ending of that arc, but Legends is just so much fun and so regularly entertaining, and it goes to such weird places, like throwing Gorilla Grodd into the Vietnam War, and just <laughs> having an episode about that. Um, and you know that it's <clears throat> ended its year with you know teasing uh, finally another appearance by uh, Constantine is super exciting. I'm looking forward to when that comes back next month. But yeah, yeah it's, it's just, is just
2: coming on there
1: as regular right there. now. Yeah. Oh, did they officially announce that finally? Yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, they've been they've been teasing that a a well-known Arrowverse character would be joining and it's like, well, he's been they've basically <laughs> shown no interest in using him on The Flash, so he'd probably be a better fit on Legends. So I'm excited sure. about that. Um and then uh my one of my biggest honorable mentions probably goes to Agents of Shield. Um this show Is which good? Yeah. Uh in fact, I'd say Overall, it probably had its best year in 2017. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Better than the first half of season two. Um, I Well, again, when I'm saying overall year, although, yeah, I think it really comes close. It's exactly. been a while since I watched that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I am including all of 2017, because I would say um, the, the last two story arcs LMD and then the Agents of Hydra story arcs from season four were both phenomenal. Uh, and then the agent, the season five space arc has been really good as well. Um, and it's still developing. Obviously, it came back later, so there weren't a lot of those episodes in 2017 because of Inhumans. Um, but I, I just I love that show. I always think about how much I enjoy it and I like those characters and how they've developed over the course of now five seasons. Um, the fact that it continues to live on, sometimes, admittedly, apparently being saved by Disney, uh, I'm I'm always happy with it because I like seeing those characters. I like their adventures and and the stuff that's happened to them and how they've evolved. Um, it seems like from what they're saying there is a good chance it will return for a sixth season and you know I'm always ready for the day when it wraps up it's now, it's now gone it, long enough
0: it feels uh, it, like it's, it's been, been coming, and coming and coming and coming but it never <clears> happens <throat> I, I, can't I can't wait to catch back, back up on it back. I love the, the time, time I spent I with that show I enjoyed tremendously it tremendously. tremendously. Um, yeah. Well, again,
1: I think it it's able to evolve and adapt and tell new stories. Again, it's not the kind of show where you would have in the first season imagined in humans or Ghost Rider or them going to space for a long story arc. Um, you know, it's it's. It's evolved and it's been able to do new things. And even though it isn't as directly connected to the MCU, uh, I think that has been a strength. And where it it isn't narratively as connected, it's allowed to be thematically connected and expand as the universe of the movies has expanded to show more of these weird things like magic and space travel and all of that. Right. Um, and so I think it still does complement the movies pretty well, even if they aren't directly connected as much. Um, and so – that would probably be my biggest honorable mention because I, I'm always ready for that show uh, whenever it comes back, whenever it's on. I'm always excited to watch it, and as long as they keep making it and keep doing new stuff, uh, I'll be there. So Agents of Shield's my biggest honorable mention.
0: Awesome. Uh-oh. Is this it?
1: This is it. <laughs> We're going to talk about our favorite shows of the year. Uh, we'll roll back to Kevin, and you know this is it. This is I have a
0: feeling I might know what
1: it
2: is. might such a huge surprise. I have just never talked about the show. You're not feeling predictable over there? No, right? not at all. But I mean, yeah, like you, 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 you did. You side you get a break from it this year because we'll be we coming back 2019. But yeah, Stranger Things um, season two. But yeah, I mean, I you know I've already talked about twenty, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's just wanted. You know, the first season I fell in love with, and season two. You actually expanded. said it's better. Yeah, I did. Because, like, I mean, cause season one did a great. really? Re- yeah, because I rewatched it, and I really I enjoyed it just as much. Wow. So, uh, I mean, because uh, season one did a great job, you know, um, introducing these characters and, you know, creating this world and being, you know, just a full throw back to the 80s. But um, this got to do even more, the scope expanded. Um, But they still kept the focus very much on the characters, and even the, like, you know, there's this now infamous episode in season two, uh, it's episode seven where, uh, yeah, seven, where um, they, uh, like, I'm not gonna spoil it, It just suffice to say that it's like an 11 solo episode, Mm -hmm. and it's incredibly different in tone from the rest of the series. It um, draws a lot of influence from like 80s punk movies that's all I'll say about it but okay. um, but it was pretty you know like disliked by a lot of fans because it is so different I thought it per- fit perfectly well into the story and it made perfect sense um, I'll be, if you get there eventually
0: I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts I, I literally but, don't know what this show could do that would make you like not like it
2: Yeah, you uh, have
0: so much goodwill built up about fucking strange movies <laughs> that I don't, I don't know, know if there was a shot of like a, a big fat Anyway, something <laughs> gross on the street. Like, it would turn me off. And, and yeah. you would and just, just be, be like, well, yeah, no, well... It it's an lie. interesting it's choice. The Duffer Brothers, Brothers, you gotta understand what <laughs> they're doing here. I'm just kidding. No, know. I am a, like, <laughs> art defender. Of the show, but, um,
2: yeah. but yeah, I mean, it just... If it's, mean, that
1: good, it's, it's that good, it's that good. I
2: mean, that's... fine. I'm not one of those, like, offended if you don't like, you know, people yeah. like. I mean, it's just... It just speaks to me really well, and um, I love that era, and it's just balls to the wall entertainment um, from start to finish and um, yeah I mean, I'm not gonna say it's, about, um, it's far from you know the greatest show mayor or like incredible depth or anything like that but as far as the most entertaining one and the one that you know I, I can turn on anytime whether I'm feeling good or bad and it just you know it's sort of like my source of comfort there and I know it's going to be entertaining you know I love you know go visiting that world anytime um, and Sean Austin's character in this like Bob Newby. you know. Was, oh, he's uh,
0: so awesome. gooberish. It
2: was, but that's like it was a perfect like uh, recognition of all his most famous roles, like Sam Gamgee and then from Goomies and whatnot. Um, so he was perfect for that one. Uh, and yeah, all the alien stuff here, um, you know, they gave Dustin some great moments, and I love. Um, He's pairing with another character who, again, you know, I won't spoil for. Mm-hmm. Him. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it's just you know, it's by far the most entertaining show of the past two years for me. Um, and I'm sad that I have to wait till 2019 for it to come back. But, but good for the, for the rest uh, of us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll have a different show to talk about like, this time next year.
1: Awesome. All
0: right. All right. Okay. All right.
1: What's next? Uh, next up is going to be me. Um i i'll say this usually i think in the past i've picked things that are definitely me centric entirely and you know i i am very much the sort who's like i think you separate favorite from best you can admit when something you love isn't necessarily the best thing on tv um i think that was the case with runaways as my number three you know i i love it but it does have problems and you know it's not it's probably not the like even top five of the best, best shows on TV.
0: Um, Not in a world where The Leftovers exist, man. Come on. No, just, kidding. Um, just kidding. That is
1: a show I still wish I could finish. Yeah, it's tough uh, to watch. Just because I love Carrie Coon's performance in it so much. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, this is one one happy time where I will 100% stand by. I think The Best Show on TV was my favorite show of the year for once. Um, Well, outside of any year, Hannibal was on TV. Because I would also say that was always the best show on TV. Uh, But the best show on TV right now, and my favorite show of the year, is The Good Place. Uh, Number one with a bullet on that Mm -hmm. one. Um, It is... It's just so good! Um, It was already really entertaining uh, right from the beginning. But then, you know, the, the final episodes of the first season did a really good job of building momentum and building up the plot and expanding out the world. And then, of course, yeah, like I said, the the twist at the end of Season 1 was really good, and it left you like, well, what are they going to do next? And God help if Season 2 hasn't proven that what they're going to do next is blitz through as many crazy, wonderfully weird story ideas as they can. I mean, they blew through what could have easily been... An entire season's worth of storytelling in about the first two episodes of this so, season. Hey, man, that's what they say the
0: best shows do. And Michael Shorn is a student of the game, you know? Yeah. He's, he knows I mean, how to make television. He does, and
1: he's done a great job here. He's put together, I think, one of the best casts on television from, you know, industry veterans like uh, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson to, you know, the complete unknowns, uh, at least whether whether they're unknown uh, small time actors or have not acted before or have, you know, been big in other countries. He's put together a fantastic cast. It has a fantastic supporting cast that, you know, pulls on a lot of his old Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine collaborators to come in and play these smaller parts or these bigger recurring parts. And it continues to surprise week after week. This is a sitcom that manages um, more often than not to end each episode on a cliffhanger that wants to propel you forward. Um, it's in such an exciting, strange place because, all right, right, they, they, it's clear right now what the last two episodes of this season are going to be about. But then, you know, it's renewed for a third season. What are they going to set up? What's season three going to look like? I'm and so they glad can... it got renewed.
0: I'm glad that, that, that they're getting rewarded for, for taking, taking such big, big chances. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, I mean, they keep what what feel like writing themselves into a corner, but then getting out of it. And it's like this constant magic trick of them telling these stories and then telling new stories and developing new ideas and new, excuse me, concepts that are able to push the, uh, push the story to new stranger, weirder places. It is... Uh, and beyond that, it's just, it's flat out hilarious. Uh, I mean, it's the funniest show on TV for a. a and, you know, I think its been, closest competitor is probably, you know, something like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is another of Michael Shore's shows. Um, and so it's just. The man knows comedy. The show has a fantastic cast, delivering great jokes. It's full to the brim with background jokes and, you know, jokes that would be easy to miss if you're not watching carefully or you're not it, it does great callbacks to its past information and and everything feels very purposeful and well planned out. Um who knows how far ahead they are planned or or how much you know by the seat of their pants they're doing, but it's just an amazingly good comedy that uh, I'm oh, always excited to see the next episode of. And I, I think you both really should check it out because I do think it is the best show on TV right now.
0: Well, well as, as I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in, in the, the midst. midst. Uh, yesterday I finished the fourth episode <laughs> or, two or two days, days ago. So, so I'm, I'm hardcore in, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just, just waiting, waiting for it to you know, continue to, continue to be enjoyable. Be it's enjoyable. not that I'm not enjoying, enjoying it, it so far. So I like it. it um but i, I think it, it's getting better and better as it goes so i'm, I'm, I'm enjoying
1: it it's uh... it takes i mean yeah it definitely it has a central premise when it starts of you know a person who shouldn't be in heaven being in heaven basically right um but it builds out quickly and rapidly and, and expands and i think you know once you get to that twist and what all season two is able to do it just gets better and better
0: oh, i can't <laughs> wait awesome all right well that leaves me right It does indeed. Uh, Well, based on my actor, it's pretty clear, and some things that I've said before, it's pretty clear what my pick is going to be. The Golden Globes agree, as do, I think, the Emmys? I don't remember. But Big Little Lies is that magic moment or series Series. of six episodes of moments? Maybe eight? I forget. Um, But what it is is the perfect demonstration of... Modern Television. It is the most star-studded show. It's got Reese Witherspoon on it. It's got Nicole Kidman on it. It's got Shailene Woodley in it. Uh, it's got Lauren Dern in it. It's got Alexander Sarsgaard in it. It has the dude who plays it spooked. What's that guy's name? He's also from Parks and Rec. Uh,
1: oh, Ben. Uh, nope. That's his character. Um, Adam Scott.
0: Adam Scott is in it. Um and the list goes on i mean if uh, lenny kravitz's daughter whose name was first name i forget something kravitz who's also phenomenal um but it's basically five relationships um and how they all intertwine and they all reveal aspects of each other's relationships but it's a show that when it comes on and the theme song comes on, it is it has this theme song to it, and it's like, "Have you ever wanted, wanted so bad down?" And it just had, and it has the little kids uh, doing doing their little like, they're they're dressed up and they're kind of like doing like a little play at school, but because of that, they're playing adult characters, so they kind of. It's almost like you see the parents, and then it flashes to like a wave crashing, and then it's a little—it's great, and then it shows like the kids like wearing masks and doing stuff that's very adult-like. So it's almost like, it's, it's almost, almost like here are these kids, and they're they're seeing these very dysfunctional parents, and they're becoming them, and it, and it's just so good in an emotional way. It's almost like the most amazing like. 50 seconds of entertainment is the is the opening credits to Big Little Lies. Um, and then it, it, it sells it. And then once you get to the reveal about what it was all about really at the end and how it all ties together, um, first of all, a lot of that credit should go to Leanne Moriarty, who wrote the book, who wrote a brilliant novel, because it's just a brilliant exploration of a number of themes. Um, but the way it all comes together in segues is, I, I didn't expect it, but I predicted it about 10 minutes before it happened. I was like, wait, a minute. No, wait. I think this is going to happen and then it happened. And that's almost the most satisfying way that the whole time you're in the dark, but just before it happens, you feel smart like you figured it out. Um, and then when it happens, it's devastating. I mean, it, the show's phenomenal. Uh, it's just so good. The acting is brilliant. The plot is brilliant. The music is brilliant. Um, it's both entertaining. It has a couple slow parts, but for the most part, it's entertaining throughout. There's this really great um, geeks versus jocks lip, like writ large scene where it's Adam Scott versus, who's the new, Reese Witherspoon's new husband, um, going up against Reese Witherspoon's ex-husband who she still kind of has not feelings for but like there's a remnant of, of loss there because you know, he wouldn't. He wasn't a good doting husband back then, but now he is to the new woman that he's with. And so it's Adam Scott versus him, and, like, the, the, the jock guy kind of threatens Adam Scott's character a little bit. And Adam Scott says, oh, I see what you're doing. You're the bully. And he just, like, goes into this whole, like, and, you know, ripping up the jock for who he is. And then the jock guy comes back. Or the bro guy comes back and he's just like, oh, I see. You're the modern man, aren't you? Mr. Sensitive. And it's just done so well. It's not as corny as I'm making it sound. It's really excellent. And there's little confrontations like that throughout the whole show. The kids are great. I mean, I I can can just just rape and rape and and rape. The show is brilliant. That said, I'm not really looking forward to the season two because it doesn't need one. And I don't know what they're going to do. But if We'll see we'll see it's just so (laughs) renowned that they had to do a season two but like there's a novel the novel's over um i don't know so we'll see where it goes so on that it's an auspicious way to end that but man is that a great show if you haven't watched it you just have to watch it you just have to so that's
1: That's it all right well cool
0: interesting year guys definitely
1: no definitely lots Um, of rage lots of comedy and drama
0: and dramedy
1: yeah, it was definitely. I mean, there was even more shows we could have talked about. Um, it was a tough list to make.
0: It really was. Also, my my um, shows, shows I wish I'd seen is woefully short compared to how long it should be. Yeah. But because I could go yeah. on with about twenty five shows, and that doesn't even count. Anyway.
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, and there's shows like I would have loved to have seen, but that I don't think would have made this list. Like I, I still haven't seen the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I don't know that that would have gotten on here. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard heard it's it's only only okay, okay, right? right? Have you you seen all the old ones?
1: Yeah, I'm a big Curb fan. Oh,
0: really? I didn't hear that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, on that note, uh, where can everybody be found, Jordan? Why don't you run it down?
1: Well, you can, of course, find us at thejoyofgeek.net for written content. You can find our episode archive at thejoyofgaming.com. On Twitter, we're at thejoyofgame, and on Facebook, thejoyofgeek, thejoyofgaming. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to us personally as well. I'm at indigomaster, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter. Uh, You can also find me at facebook.com slash writer and jordanelsega.tumblr.com, and now, as I've mentioned in the past few episodes, uh, welderkincomic.com for my new rural horror co- webcomic that is uh, just started.
0: Word. Uh, you uh, you can, can find me at Rich Lepore, Lepore
1: on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter. Kevin?
2: You can find me on Twitter at, at KW Schaith, um, and also in the upcoming Corpus Anthology, uh, which the Kickstarter for that goes live February 4th, so... Maybe up yeah, by the time yeah. this episode
0: is up, we'll see. Um, but I'm one of the comic creators on that. So Awesome. Awesome. Um, and on that note, it was fun talking about TV, guys. Absolutely. Always. And uh, we will be back. Uh, so, so we're gonna, we, we, by the time this airs, we should have already had Gaming and Comics up. This will be the third episode of The Year in Geek. And the final one will be movies. And this okay. is an interesting year of movies. Uh, I've got this, that was my article to make. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming. I'm still,
1: still trying to see a last few films. So, yeah, I'm too. glad it went last.
0: Me too. <clears throat> me too. Uh, on that note, I'm Rich Laporte. Kevin Schaefer.
1: Jordan Alseca. And we'll see you all soon.